My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring for game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New Orleans, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, we've mentioned it all the time. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also, on Twitter, use the hashtag Hoopsville. Also, don't forget, you can uh, join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I know there's probably people who've been asking questions via um, possibly by a YouTube's link or whatever. We're trying to keep an eye on everything and uh, give us a chance. We will try and answer your questions when things slow down just a little bit. We're kind of in a, in a span here of a bunch of segments all at once before we get a little bit of a lead time. So we're going to keep things moving here. We jump from the south into the east region, returning to the east region to talk Suniac men's basketball. The team on top is Oswego. I think a lot of people thought that would be the case. They also thought Brockport would be pretty solid this season, but Oswego uh, had an interesting start to the season, uh, three and five, uh, five and three at one point before pretty much going on a tear since. It seems to be their mo. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head. That's how we get to find out a little bit more about them. Uh, on the city of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's Jason Leon of Oswego. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks for having me back, Dave. Great to talk to you. I appreciate you taking the time. You seem to do this to me all the time. I I, I look at your team. I like your team. I decide to vote for you. I love it. And not that it's personal, but you then get to Nazareth. Uh, then you get four in a row. I'm like, okay, the overtime game, the Clarkson, not great, but it's nice to see. Then you lose to Hamilton. Then you lose to Sunianta. Uh, and I start going, what's going on? And so I stop watching. And the next thing I know, you've rattled off four in a row. Then you've rattled off six in a row. And I start going, oh, I got to go talk to Jason. What is going on? <laughs> well, we, uh, our early season schedule, I thought, you know, the four losses we've had have all been uh, to teams with uh, winning records and, and, and traditionally very strong programs. So uh, they're all having excellent years. I think Nazareth is at and 
Hamilton's having a heck of a year in the NESCAC, uh, one of the toughest two or three conferences in the country, I think. And uh, SUNY Oneonta is a very talented group, and they're, they have a winning record as well. And uh, St. Lawrence is, uh, you know, behind Rochester, is probably the, the second best team in our region right now at three. So, um, you know, I think we've played a challenging schedule, and, and our guys, to their credit, have. Uh, really stuck with it and uh, we are playing uh, at, a, at a high level right now and but we also understand we've got a ways to go here down the stretch including a, a tough four game stretch to end our season on the road in conference here yeah and it, it, we're certainly nowhere done here but you do have um a game and a half lead on brockport at 11 and one they're at 10 and three to make matters even better you have a win over brockport but we've got brockport looming and we'll talk about that in a minute um, but obviously the big win January 27th is extremely helpful and, and probably has given you guys a ton of confidence considering um, it keeps a six-game winning streak alive not only, or what's become a six-game winning streak alive, but it also now puts pressure on them. You're kind of in the driver's seat now. Well, I, you know, I, as you know, uh, taking care of uh, your home games during any conference season is critical. Um, I I think our guys gained gain confidence from the fact that we, we have seen significant improvement on the offensive end uh, since we got back from the mid-year break. Um, I think we enough to understand that, you know, although that was a heck of a win, um, you know, turning around and being Geneseo the next day was, was just as important in terms of, of uh, you know, maintaining that home court winning streak that we have. So I think at this point we're 7-0 and at home in conference, which is really important. We finished two tough games at home this weekend um, before we hit the road for our last four. So, um, you know, probably our, our confidence lies in the fact that we've seen a great amount of daily improvement with our guys here over the last month. You mentioned, obviously, the, the end of this schedule, and you do have two at home and then four on the road. And we know in the SUNYAC it's – it's a tough grind, but at least those four aren't too far away from home. Fredonia and Buffalo State and then Geneseo, Brockport, you're certainly you know not heading to Plattsburgh. You've already got that done and mm-hmm. done with back on the 13th and Potsdam on the 14th of January. But how hard is it, though, to have your last two home games being the first weekend of February have to be on the road the rest of the season? Uh, well, anytime you play on the road, it's, it's hard. And, and the actual mileage is part of you know, the, the the equation with going on the road. But then also we have a roster where we have 10 of our 15 players are new to this league. So, um, you know, these will be environments that they're not used to playing in, gyms they're not used to playing in. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that our league plays the majority of the games in league on Friday, Saturday, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, um, that typically is an adjustment from either, you know, a high school season where you don't play back-to-backs or uh, a couple of transfers we have uh, come from four-year schools where they didn't play back-to-back. So um, those Saturday games uh, becomes more about the players and focusing on um, maybe a, a particular game plan or just battling through any type of fatigue from the previous night. So um, those present. Uh, when you go on the road, um, just as much as the actual travel distance. How much did expectations from last season overshadow the beginning of this season? You guys obviously make a run in the NCAA tournament, get to host the game due to geographic considerations uh, in the Sweet 16. 
Um, obviously, it, it, it had the campus abuzz. Certainly, I think that raised expectations going into this season, but how much did it overshadow things from your point of view? Um, I think our guys have been really good with it, to be honest with you. I think what the learning experience was from last year was how challenging it was to get there. We had a, an interesting season. Out seven and zero, I think we got up to 20th or 18th in the country in, in your rankings, and then um, then we dropped four out of five games, and we were at one and four in our league. Kind of look on the outside looking in in terms of getting into our old league, league's playoffs. Our guys kind of took ownership of what was going, on, some things we needed to come together and get better with, and then we, similar to this year, rattled off some wins, got into the tournament. Um, had a big road win at Plattsburgh um, and, um, you know, lost at the buzzer in our conference finals. But because of our, you know, strength of schedule outside of our league, we were fortunate enough to get an at-large bid and then, you know, one two, one buzzer beater that you were at and then an overtime game in the first round. And then with a couple other upsets, as you mentioned, we got a chance because of geographical considerations to host the tournament. So our guys really felt fortunate, and I think rather than take it as all did, they understand there's a lot of scenarios and sometimes a little bit of luck that goes into these things. So I, I think going into this year, we did have some pieces coming back, but we also had the majority of our team was new, and I think they were pretty grounded with things. And, and, and um, you know, we have had a little bit of success here the last three or four years, so I think the guys at this time of the year, it's more about um, staying healthy, staying fresh, and um, really kind of trying to buckle down, you know, with a couple of things on both the offensive and defensive ends that might give you the best chance to win the second time through your conference. Team being led, no surprise, by Brian Sertino, the preseason All-American, 20 points a game um, to lead all scorers. Uh, obviously, that's nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, but on top of that, it's four and a half assists a game and three and a half rebounds. Uh, Jameer Farabee, uh, 13.2 points a game. Um, hauling in for uh, 3.3 rebounds. You also have double figures coming from Ian Shupp and Keith Tyson, 11.4 and 10.1 respectively. Obviously, everyone knows about Sortino. Um, and, and I know you guys are proud of the fact that he's a very unselfish player. He may get 20 points, but again, we pointed to four and a half assists. How does he make the whole team better? And how does a whole team help him become a better player? Well, I think that's a good good question. Uh, one of the things I think is noteworthy with Brian this year, because one of the common questions that I've gotten from some of uh, the local people that follow our team here is, um, you know, his shooting percentage is a little bit down and he's maybe taking a few more shots than normal. Um, you know, Brian, we've put another thing on his plate this year in addition to everything else we asked him to do and that he's guarding the other team's best player this year. Um, he probably wasn't highly regarded as a defensive player, um, you know, for at least a couple of his years, and, and he's really made some strides, and we've asked him to do even more things in addition to playing the most minutes in the conference and scoring for us and putting people in positions where they can be better. Um, so I think it's noteworthy that, you know, although Brian maybe at times hasn't shot the ball quite as well as he has in the past, if you look at his numbers here the last five games, he certainly has, and, and uh, he's doing a great job defensively for us. Um, we have a, a different element to our team this year, Dave, where um, last year I thought we were we were very capable in terms of guys around Brian that could stand still and make threes. Yeah. This year we have a different element with our guards, um, uh, in particular Shep, Tyson, and Farabee, who can all 
make plays um, behind the arc, but they also can take the ball to the basket. Um, so um, we really haven't lost the element of three-point shooting, but at the same time, we've, we've got more guys that can make plays off the dribble. So we're just a little bit different um, offensively this year, and I think we're probably a better offensive team, not as good defensively, but, um, you know, uh, it's, it's certainly a role in our winning, um, the fact that we're a little bit more dynamic on that end this year. I know how this is going to go. Now you're focusing on SUNY Potsdam on uh, Friday and Plattsburgh on Saturday. Of course, I'm That's looking right. at the schedule. I see, ooh, Brockport, final game of the regular season on the 18th. And as J.C. DeLass and I already talked about earlier in the show, that game has been of us because we know it's such an important game. Obviously, we have to get there to it continue to be an important game. But how uh, neat is it from your perspective that the conference could literally come down and, and who's hosting and and how the how the bracket is going to be shaped could come down to the last game of the regular season. Yeah, it would be it would be a great thing, you know, if if it came down to that. And you know, I, I you are right. I'm we're we're focused on Potsdam right now because <laughs> I've been doing it long enough to know um, that just you know, I mean, you can look at. I mean, we're not going to go. To, I'm not going to go down all the scores with you, but there certainly is. You know them a lot of examples of teams that you know, maybe record-wise don't look um, as mm-hmm. sexy on paper, and they beat teams that, um, you know, are supposed to have a lot of accolades and, and success in mind for down the road, and then, you know, you get tripped up. So, um, you know, that honestly is just such a long It's only probably two, three calendar weeks away. Um, we really right now have to focus on keeping our team, um, you know, locked in the way we are right now because that's, that's why we've been playing well is – we really have um, focused on this model of daily improvement and um, just handling the game right in front of us. I just really think that's an important thing at this time of year. Uh, funny thing, I noticed a picture of uh, Farabee on your website. I swear that is Jim Schreibel in the background taking that's notes right. of some kind, but he's the women's coach at Rochester. What is he doing? Well, we had, it was a day where we had a doubleheader, so it was right Thanksgiving, I believe that was our Clarkson game. Ah, and Jameer hit a game-winning shot. I think that was the shot he hit from the corner that put us up one late in overtime. And Jim's team was preparing to play um, our women's team right after that. So I think that's why you saw that photo. So it is the crazy. So. It's one of those dynamics. Where you're like, wait, he's not there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, he looks very studious. Yeah, it looks I, like he's I, scouting I, you. Yeah, he's writing down his notes for after it looks like I know the picture you're talking about. And Jim, Jim and I go way back. I played for him when I was a yes. player. He coached me uh, during the summers in the Empire State games. Uh, had some great memories there. He's a heck of a coach and even better person. Yes, absolutely agree with you there. But it's just it was one of those where I looked at it three times, going, "That cannot be Jim." Um, yeah, but awesome. Hey, sir, I appreciate you as always coming on the show. Um, uh, it's certainly fascinating to see this. And the Suniac's always fun to watch, but it's certainly got more twists and turns than a, than a soap opera. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it finishes out the rest of the way in the last six before conference tournament time. As always, we give the coach the final word. So I'll reluctantly let you have the final word here. Uh, anything you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Just to keep an eye on, on, on our conference and in our region. Uh, I think sometimes, uh, you know, it goes without saying, it, you know, our region sometimes gets overlooked and, uh, you know, I think I think this year we have some some high quality teams. You look at what Rochester's doing, uh, my alma mater. So, um, you know, I, it's nice to see them doing well. And 
and in the top 10 in the country and uh, St. Lawrence out of the Liberty League and Skidmore clearly have have established themselves as two two very, very good teams, um, you know, in the Liberty League and Fisher and Nazareth and the and the and Stevens and the Empire Eight and, and with our league, I think it's a it's a it's a great league, Dave. Because uh, I don't know if there's another league in the country. You probably would have this stat. I think we've had five different champions in the last years. Uh, I think that's a tribute to to the coaches and the and the and the competitive level that goes on in our league year in and year out. And uh, this year will be no different. Uh, any one of three or four teams are going to have a chance to get the the home court advantage in the league tournament here down the stretch. And uh, we're happy to be in the mix, but we know we got a long way to go here in the last couple of weeks. And that's a pretty impressive stat, to say the least. You don't see that a lot in any in any of the men's or women's basketball. So, uh, yeah, fascinating to see how this pay, plays out. By the way, please tell say hello to your wife for me. I don't know how I would respond to that, Dave, but uh, <laughs> maybe you can explain. I, lo- I just enjoyed sitting in front uh, of her while watching you coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, armchair quarterback to the nth degree. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, you said you had a problem with my tie or my sneakers when it was coaches versus cancer weekend. That was like four years ago. Yeah, it was unbelievable, <laughs> and we still talk about that every time we, you and I speak. It's unbelievable. <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing ever stays above the belt, huh? No, I had <laughs> to go there. <laughs> unreal, unreal. So, hey, Jason, well, I really appreciate you having me on again, Dave. You Absolutely. guys do a great job. Well, I look forward to chatting with you down the road. Uh, thank you very much. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a good day. All right. See you. Bye. Jason Leone joining us here from Us Week. Uh, the Lakers are playing darn well. Six tough games ahead, though. Two at home and then the four on the road, and that Brockport State game at the end. But obviously, you got to get through the first five before to be there. Make that important. Going to take another break when we come back. Uh, where are we headed? Oh, head Central Region. Talk to the number four team in the country. River Falls. Jeff Burke us to talk about his team, his undefeated WIAC team, his 17-game winning streak team. What do we not know about the River Falls team that, that we should know about? We'll find out coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete, and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ. I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. 
I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying this marathon as we have, uh, let's see here, five and a half hours in at this point. Uh, we've still got six, five, six and a half hours to go. I did graduate college, and I did work in television, so I should have done that math easier than I did, but I did not. Hope you're enjoying the show. By the way, if you happen to be listening to the podcast, up, awesome. Hope you're enjoying that as well. Um, if you want to ask us questions, you can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also send us a tweet at d3hoopsville. Um, you can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're live streaming, trying to keep up with it. I know I have a few questions here we do want to get to. When we get a break in our, kind of our craziness here, we will get to them. Um, we're now going to jump from the east to Wisconsin, talk to the number four team in the country in men's basketball. The River, uh, the Wisconsin River Falls men's team. The Falcons are certainly playing well. They're on a 17-game winning streak. They've suffered one loss on the season, and they're undefeated in the conference. But what does it all truly mean? Well, joining us on the Hoopsaw Hotline, presented by the City of Salem, is Jeff Burkoff, the head coach of River Falls. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate being on with you today. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. I, I mean... I think a lot of people said, listen, there's a few teams to eye on this year. One of them's definitely River Falls on the men's side, especially after you guys came off of a, a decent season and a, and a very interesting WIAC last year. There were certainly others that were, that were more fascinating as well. Eau Claire, uh, we always have our eye on Whitewater and Stevens Point. And the thought was maybe Oshkosh could be in the mix. You've literally, this season, started to separate yourself. You have a three-game lead on the WIAC which for, for the most part is unheard of. Usually if there's a big lead, it's two or three teams and everybody else. You're by yourself. You've just, you've just left everybody in your dust. Yeah, but the, yeah, that's true. Uh, games to go, though, and we have some tough games coming up. So, you know, and, and our guys have been really good about, you know, this, and we talked about this before the conference season started because we knew it was going to be a tough grind. I mean, it, it, uh, you know, everybody had a lot of like, good players coming back and that's new players coming in. So we, we really kind of went with the thing where, hey, we just got to go one game at a time, and we play 14 of these right at the end of the year. Uh, we've we've had some games where we played really well. Uh, we you know we won some games just playing you know solid basketball, and we've been fortunate to win a couple. We've had real close games with um, Eau Claire and Stevens Point at home, you know where we won by you know one point and had some last second shots. So uh, a lot of good things too. So um, we like obviously where we're at, but we do have you know five to go. So. Yeah, that's true. There's still five to go. Let's quickly, though, go back in time a little bit. Started the season with a big win over St. Thomas, 74-65, the defending national champs. That certainly made a statement. Two games later, though, Hope got you at Stout, 90-81. to But it, you guys have pretty much not looked back since then, uh, even including a trip out to Redlands where you got a win over Laverne and Redlands, uh, came back home and have continued to win. Um, and look, as you said, you're now 9-0 and in conference um, how hard is it to not or to have the team kind of realize it's game to game and realize that, yeah, you might be on a 17 game winning streak, but it doesn't mean much in the, in the grand scheme of things if they can't win the next one. 
Yeah, exactly right. Um, and just kind of what you know, I already mentioned earlier, our guys have been really good about just taking it one at a time. I know it's got a lot of coach cliche talk there, but a good job of just focusing on that. Um, you know, last night I would say against UW Lacrosse, you know, it was probably the first time all year where we um, we were a little sluggish and slow. We got down, you know, 12 nothing to start. And to our guys' credit, you know, we, we came back and then we played a lot better in the second half. But, um, you know, we you know, we liked how our non-conference schedule laid out for us. You know, we knew playing St. Thomas uh, right off the bat was going to be a big challenge for us. I think we caught them at a good time, you know, with a, basically a new team coming in. When we lost the Hope game, basically a message to the guys after that was like, because I, I, we didn't know exactly where, what we had. And I, I expressed to them that we I liked the team. I liked our fight. Uh, obviously, Hope's a good team. And I just, um, you know, I, I mentioned to them we just really liked the team that we had, and uh, we've just been, we've just been getting better every day, and we just keep preaching that we just have to look at that continuous improvement because we want to be playing our best basketball at the end of the year, kind of what we did, uh, kind of what we did last year. Um, when I think some people may be a little disappointed to hear this, um, you only have two seniors on the squad. Um, one of them's in your top three in scoring. The other one is not. Um, but you've, your seniors being Garrett Pearson um, and Grant Erickson. Pearson's the one who's in double figures at 13.2.6 rebounds. Uh, Erickson uh, contributes, uh, I think it's six points a game. Nope, I get that. Or 5.8 points a game and 3.8 rebounds. So you got these two seniors, and that's great. But it's the fact that there's so many underclassmen who are who are contributing to this run. This is not going to be a one-year thing for you guys. Well, we, we you know we sure hope not, Dave. Uh, now Grant and Garrett are, are, are huge parts of our, our you know of our puzzle. Uh, Garrett's been uh, he came to us as a transfer as, uh, after one year at Saint Scholastica, and each year he's just continually gotten better. Garrett's a unique unique player for us. You know he's, he's you know our bigs. He's a big that can play inside and out, and he's just a really strong kid. He's, he's definitely a post threat. He's definitely a guy who can shoot the ball from the outside. Um, you know, he's got the most three point attempts on our team right now, uh, with 74 shot attempts. So, Garrett's been having a very, very good season. He was an All Conference player this year. Uh, Grant Erickson, he's been a four year starter for us at the point guard position. Uh, just really the kind of guy that stirs our drink for us. He, he's uh, he's the guy that makes us go. Um, Grant does have 90, 90 some assists on the year. He's kind of our general. Um, so, yeah, we only have two seniors, but you know, those are going to be two pieces that we're going to have to replace, uh, you know, next year. Yeah, certainly uh, that is true. But yeah, obviously, you have a lot of underclassmen that are playing well. Again, you coming off this win over Lacrosse, seventy three fifty nine. You beat Stevens Point prior to that, sixty seven fifty one. Um, you've got a win over Whitewater, ninety to seventy-four. Ahead of you is Oshkosh, Stout, Whitewater, or Platteville. And I know this isn't what you're thinking about, but I'm curious. Do you think you can stay unbeaten? I don't remember the last time a Wyack team went unbeaten, and it's certainly not in recent history. Yeah, that's, that's a, you know. I hope we do, Dave. I hope we do. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we got Oshkosh. Saturday and and uh, you know they're, they're coming off a tough loss last night to Stevens Point, so I'm sure they're going to be you know hungry to get get going. Uh, we've had a lot of teams in our conference be playing you know play very well on the road, including you know, obviously you know we're undefeated. So, but I think you know, we've played very well on the road. In fact, sometimes we, we it seems to me we play better on the road than we do at home. So it's just a matter of protecting our home courts. You know, we have to go to Stout yet. Uh, you know, yeah. It's going to be 
a tough one. Eau Claire, same deal. We end up in the Alaska near at Platteville. It's a long trip for us, one of our longest trips. Um, I hope we do, Dave. It's, I think it'd be very tough, you know, to, yeah, to answer your question. Well, but on the so, other side of that, you do have a three-game lead with five games to play. In, in some sense, you built a big enough cushion here that potentially you could take a hit, and it's no big deal. Does that does that take a little bit of pressure off that there isn't this under the gun to make sure you're number one? You just need to win a couple more games, and that thing's locked up. I think, I think you're right with that. There's no doubt. You know, we, you know, we set out kind of our first goal is to win the regular season conference championship, which is quite you know quite the feat in our conference. Um, it hasn't been done too often in River Falls. You know, we did it back in 2004. We had Rich Melzer, Division Three Player of the Year, um, and I think time, time before that it was 1954, you know, something like that. So uh, it hasn't been done for a while. Um, so that's obviously our first goal. And then, you know, obviously in my mind, I'm thinking about, all right, let's make sure if we don't win the conference tournament, let's make sure we got enough wins and make sure we get a you know, pool C bid. And, and if we're fortunate enough to host, you know, NCAA tournament games, you know, so just want to get going here one at a time and see how many, you know, and before the season started, we talked about, Hey, we're just going to go through all 14 of these games and see where we end up. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then, and obviously we stressed our non-conference season too. We wanted to, we thought we had a pretty good team. And I stressed to them that, Hey, you know, if you don't win your conference tournament, we have to have a good, a good division three record. Yeah. And so these non-conference as our conference games and the guys, you know, did a nice job and we obviously went, you know, 10 and one in the non-conference season. So, um, I got to ask because we haven't had a chance to talk to anybody out of conf- or in the conference regarding everything that's surrounding Stevens Point at this point. Um, there are those who argue what they're doing is very common. There's those who argue it's not. But from your vantage point, I got a couple quick questions. One, has it been a topic of conversation even for your own team? And has it even been a distraction for even your own team? No, I don't. You know, it really hasn't been a topic of conversation. Uh, see, amongst us on the coaching staff, we've, you know, when it all came down, we talked about it a little bit. Um, but I haven't, we haven't really talked about it with our players too much. You know, obviously we just played them. Um, you know, they're well aware of the, of the situation. And, and if anything, we expressed to them that, you know, with Stevens Point not necessarily able to make the NCAA tournament or play in the conference tournament, obviously these regular season games are kind of what they have left per se and and then they've been you know seems like they're kind of playing it with a nothing to lose type attitude and that could be kind of dangerous so we just expressed to them that hey you, know, you guys are going to be ready to go um you know we're going to have to be ready for them but that's about the extent that we've talked about the Stevens Point situation I forget you guys play all eight make the tournament correct no just the top six make it top six okay I apologize <laughs> yep. so basically Stevens yep. Point will be skipped over and the seventh place team will be will be put in their slot uh, so, yep. Okay. Yep. I just yeah. wasn't yep. sure how that yep. was going to play. I don't know if you maybe you got an extra buy or something. But okay, if it's six, then obviously you're already getting that first round buy, which is obviously important as well. Um, on a on a on a standpoint of of what's going on at Stevens Point and and people who make the claim that it goes on everywhere, have you reevaluated what you guys do just to make sure you're up to snuff with how you do things, even if you didn't realize you're in violation if you were or you're cons- pretty sure you're fine but you want to make sure anyway no we're, we're i'm i'm well aware of the rules we, we're pretty good as I mean, we're really good as far as uh knowing what's what's allowed and what's not so <laughs> it's hasn't been a hasn't been a big issue for us changing anything so 
you, you know um, how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, well, obviously, we don't even know the full report. I was just kind of curious. Obviously, that's been the undertone of the season for a long time. So uh, I just felt your point of view on it. You do have two home games of the next five um, and then three on the road. We know there's a lot of work left to do. I'm assuming you guys are enjoying this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, we're excited, too, Dave. We're, uh, we we played an old an old gym, Cardinal. And um, so this is the last, this is our last year in it. So we'll have our alumni weekend next Saturday. We play Whitewater, which will be the last regular season uh, home game. Hopefully we'll have, you know, a game or two more yeah, sure. in there. But uh, but we're looking forward. We're moving next year out to our uh, what's called the Falcon Center. It's a $63.5 million new facility with new, uh, new competition gym, new auxiliary. And actually, a lot of the buildings built. The weight room's done. Auxiliary gym's done, classrooms, labs, you know, it's uh, for recreations for our health and human performance departments and as well as athletics. Um, it's just the last phase of the building is our, 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 our arena and our locker rooms being completed. So we're looking forward to going out there next year and obviously finishing out the Carter Center this year uh, in a big way. So That is a monster of a building, to say the least. Um, looking forward yeah. to seeing how that turns out. Um, I can only imagine what that'll be like for you guys. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, a lot still to play for. Uh, we're, we're not that far along uh, in the season. Um, obviously, regional rankings come out next. Uh, I know that'll be important to, to you guys as well, but yep. uh, you want to get yep. the next games ahead of you anyway. I know it'll be important to be playing in March for you guys. Uh, as always, uh, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who how are you doing? Are you going to be able to last another five I don't know. hours here? <laughs> I don't know. We got, yeah, five and a half some odd hours left. Well, I'm, I'm pacing myself as best I can. <laughs> okay. Lots of coffee. All right. <laughs> well, you hang in there. Uh, and I appreciate you having us on. Obviously, it's been a few years for me to, to be back with you. And yeah. Appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. And uh, appreciate everything uh, you do for D, you know, D3 basketball with the D3 hoops and hoops and everything. It's been uh, great. I know, I know a lot of people in River Falls uh, follow, follow you guys. So. Well, thank you, Coach. It. Yeah, it has been a little while. Glad to get a chance to talk to you guys and uh, look forward to seeing how the season ends. Thanks, Dave. All right, Coach, take care. Jeff Berghoff Welcome again. Welcome back to the Hoops Marathon, CBS everybody. Sam. Hope Whoops. you uh, are enjoying our work of 12 hours. Again. We're somewhere along the road. Apparently I hit some type of interview there. That was weird. Coach Berghoff joining us once again here on the Hoopsville um, uh, Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. Appreciate him taking the time. Team is, as we mentioned, 19-1 and overall. They They've won 17 straight. Um, Oshkosh, Stout, Whitewater, Eau Claire, Platteville ahead. Not an easy task. They've got some challenges ahead of them. Whitewater, who's three games behind them. Eau Claire, who's a pretty good team as well. And that's nothing against Oshkosh, Stout, or Platteville, who will give them a hard time as well. If they win and go undefeated, if they go undefeated the rest of the season, that is going to be noteworthy outside of the fact that they're already going to probably win the conference going to take another break when we come back we go to the great lakes and we'll switch into some women's basketball la roach joins us from the amcc conference what exactly is going on can can they've been kind of quiet even though they're leading the conference a silent assassin somewhere in the women's ranks and then we'll get an update from lenny reich uh as well on the great lakes region we're going to take a break when we come back more hoopsville you're watching the marathon remember it's all part of our fundraising efforts as well the fundraiser's gotten a little bit of a boost this morning but not a lot or this today we're obviously into the afternoon now uh we'll check that as we go to break 
and there we are. Hasn't moved much, but we've gotten a little bit more. Uh, hey, you can get a T-shirt if you sign up for the certain things, or a shout-out, or you can even determine who's going to be on our show if you uh, at a certain level. It's kind of like public television. Help us stay on the air. That's what this marathon's all about as well. Please consider donating. We'll talk about more in uh, down the road as well. Take a break. When we come back, Great Lakes Women's Basketball. The Roach joins us before we talk to Lenny Reich as well. Listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studio Hoopsville after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New Orleans, Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon. Hope you are uh, enjoying this one. We're pacing ourselves. we got a little, little bit ways to go here as we're closing in on closing out the midway point, I think. Yeah, that's how we're going to do it. Coming up top of the hour, we'll be midway through our 12-hour marathon, though we've had a bad habit of going marathon. We'll see what happens. Don't forget, we got the happy hour coming up. We do have questions. We'll try and answer them. I realize some of you have been waiting patiently. We will get to them, I promise. Going to jump now into the Great Lakes region. Uh, we just talked Central men's basketball. We're going to talk um, Great Lakes women's basketball. And coming up, we'll be talking to Lenny Reich as well. But if you haven't been, the Great Lakes we've talked about quite a bit on the women's side as being extremely um, good and extremely deep, especially at the top. And as a result, you sometimes get some teams that kind of um, slip by you, don't even realize um, maybe how good they are a chance to maybe show themselves off. I think that's the case here for LaRoche. Granted, they're coming out of the AMCC, which a lot of people have trouble truly appreciating, but the Red Hawks in women's basketball are playing very well, and their head coach, Kim uh, Gissendanner, has got them clicking along at 16-4 and four overall. So we figured, you know what, we should 
talk to LaRoche, figure out how the Red Hawks are doing. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Kim Kissendanner. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. You know, this is a squad that routinely, since 2011 season, has won 20 or more a year, but never seems to get a lot of attention. Now, I, I, I think we all admit the AMCC has something to do with that. It's not considered one of the stronger conferences, but you guys still go out there and win every year, and you're doing it again this year. Uh, what's been the secret and uh, how the Red Hawks have been succeeding so, for so many years? Um, that's a great question. Actually, you know, before I even got here, um, the co previous coach before I got here, Eddie Benton, he did a fabulous job recruiting and just making sure that LaRoche got the athletes that are took to compete, whether it be in an AMCC or out. And um, that was my goal coming in to just continue that recruiting legacy and just get special as student athletes in here that can compete. And now we're at the point where, like, okay, you know, we know we're good in the AMCC, but what are we going to do when we get outside the AMCC, especially in the NCAA tournament when we play some um, tougher out-of-conference foes? Like, you know, we got to win those. We start to do that, and I get it. Um, then you'll probably hear a lot more about us, but that is the goal. <laughs> um, you got a four-game lead on Pitt Bradford right now uh, and Madai. Uh, they're both nine and four in conference, twelve and eight and ten and ten respectively. So you're kind of coasting along, and I don't mean that in how you're playing. I just mean that you've got a pretty comfortable lead, four games with with five to go. But as we've been doing on this show, we always like to make sure that we got something to talk about. You do have Madai ahead of you. You have Penn State Barron as well uh, in conference action in the next two on the road, starting with Madai. So yes, the control, but no, things could quickly change you, you got to make sure your team's still on the right page absolutely absolutely i told them just yesterday because we played a really good mount aloysius team and you know I, we find ourselves toying with teams and only ah. not not really putting them away when when we should you know so that's why you see a 12 point victory the 10 point victory well, meanwhile like that was the score but if you were to watch the game you would say yeah laroche was in control the whole time um so we just have to make sure we build that consistency. But I told them, man, like especially since we are undefeated in the conference, that people are going to be gunning for us every single day. So we're going to get everybody's best, and we have to expect that, and we have to just play to our level. And we have, sometimes have a tendency to play um, to the level of our competition sometimes. No disrespect to any of our opponents at all, but, you know, we, we just pride ourselves in being a, a very um, program, and, you know, sometimes we don't play that way. I'll admit that. Yeah, and that's and that can be tricky sometimes for teams that can dominate a conference as you guys have. Uh, you talk about a team that toys with the opponent or at least plays down to their level, and I totally get that. We see that in a lot of conferences you've got to realize how dangerous that could possibly be. You could lose a game. You could lose some momentum. Worst case scenario could end your season early if you don't watch out. Absolutely. It happened to us last year. Um, last year we ended up having only one conference loss, and that was to Franciscan. And we went in there, and they absolutely played their hearts out. Yeah. And they shot lights out, and that was the undefeated conference season right there. Um, but luckily I think that this team has matured and they've grown and, you know, they, they remember what happened to us last year. So I think that they keep that in the back of their minds um, at all times. But I just wish that they would just, you know, play, like, dominate all the time. And we have to get over that hump. Um, 
certainly regional rankings will come out sometime soon too. Um, not sure where you guys may end up in that, but how important, especially in what is a jam-packed um, Great Lakes region, is this? I almost have a feeling that you guys are going to have to maybe play with a, a with an SOS that's as low as it is because of the conference. You're almost going to have to play this as a you got to win every game mentality. When do you have to start that, though? If you're winning the conference by four, conference tournaments around the corner, and then the NCAAs, at what point do you have to instill in your team every game counts, you have to play? Or I mean, it really starts now. You know, like we're going to set the precedent to, for the rest of the season now, um, for especially for the seniors. We only have five games left on our regular season schedule. And you know what? These seniors got to be – looking at that schedule and saying, this is it. And I I start five seniors. One is the all-time leading scorer in the school. One is going to be probably third on the list. Like, I'm really losing so, so much in this senior class. And, um, you know, I'm I'm honestly, I'm just throwing the ball in their court and saying, you know, we're going to live and die how you guys take us. So when I look at your team, real quick question. So McLean, a freshman, She's only listed for 11 games played. Is she still playing? In a- she That's actually a mistake. That ah. She is a senior. Yeah. Oh, that's She's why. I, I was She's wondering. like this leading scorer. At that's what now. I thought. Yeah. I thought I was yep. misreading that somehow. Yeah, uh, that's a misprint. Herself and uh, Tachina Mitchell both averaging 23.5 points a game. Mackenzie mm-hmm. O'Donnell, another senior, 15 points a game. Dana- uh, mm-hmm. Danasha Harris, another senior, 11.7 points a game. Uh, and then a junior, Darian Johnson, at 9.7 points a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. by the way, they all rebound. Mitchell, 7.8. McLinn, 5.8. O'Donnell, 5.3. Harris, 9.2. Um, that's a heck of a core group. It is. It is. And, I mean, you would be surprised. Like, those numbers sound great to a lot of people, probably to the average person that doesn't know what's going on with our program. But they can do so much more. Like, we're honestly one of the bottom rebounding teams in our in our league and for us to be undefeated that's not a good stat as a head coach you know because mm. you want to dominate the board and because that's all about heart that's about hustle that's about one you don't have to really do anything special to be a good rebounding team you just have to want it so you know I, I i just my goal for them is to be basketball coming into february and you know hopefully we'll get there um, talking to Coach here about her LaRoche squad, and, and obviously when it comes to the NCAA, hopefully you're there. Um, you've probably known over the years it's never going to be an easy road. Do you look out over the rest of the Great Lakes and kind of wish, geez, I'd love to be in any region but this one right Yeah, I mean, it's tough, but, I mean, I, I welcome that challenge. I, I, the past, I don't know, two or three years we played the number one team in the nation. So we played um, – Thomas Moore a couple times, and we've also played DePaul when they were ranked number one. I think that was my first year um, at LaRoche. So, I mean, but that's that's on me as a head coach. I have to make sure that, you know, our conference, with us playing in that conference, and it makes our strength of schedule a lot weaker than most teams. We can't help who we play and who's in our conference, but I can help who I schedule outside of conference. You know what I mean? So that's why we go to Baltimore. You try to play in their Christmas tournament. We play, you know, St. Vincent. A couple years ago, we went to Thomas More and played regular season games. Yeah. We have to schedule tough out-of-conference games for us to even, you know, make some noise and not be placed with the first first number one ranked team every year. Um, 
did. You went and played Carnegie Mellon this year. Unfortunately, it right. was a loss, but you went and played him. You played Case Western Reserve in a tight game. Unfortunately, right. a loss, but you beat John Carroll. Um, right. You played St. Vincent, tough game, overtime, a loss. You played Loris, who's who's having a good season. You beat Worcester right. in double overtime. So you've certainly gone out there and done your best. Obviously, I know yes. you'd love to get a couple wins out of those. Um, Definitely. Uh, you, but it certainly at least maybe makes your team aware of what they're going to face should they get out of the conference and move on. How, is it hard, though? You talk about them playing with their opponents a little bit, especially in conference. Is it hard to make, wake them up and make them realize comes to March that what they saw in November is is what we're going to be playing here? Yeah, it's going to be real similar. But, I mean, I hate to get off subject, but it makes sense. We have, like, for the first time probably all year since the St. Vincent game, have now had our whole team all together. Ah. In the beginning, in the first half of the year, Christmas, we had um, Tashina getting herself together academically. And then right after Christmas, um, Sabrina had an MCL um, issue. So she was out like 10 or 11 games. So, you know, with them two, like we've had one game before like our little span right now uh. with those two together. So, so I think I would like to think we're a totally different team, especially yeah. with our two big guns. Um, now we got to, we have to get them playing together and get some chemistry going, but they do need to realize that that is the kind of atmosphere that we're going to see, you know, playing at Baldwin Wallace and, you know, Carnegie Mellon, which, you know, we, they're they're challenging and we we love it. You know. No, that's a very good point. Uh, very good point. Sometimes that the when you don't have your big guns kind of playing on the same court at the same time, it gets a little bit more mm-hmm. challenging. And now that could be a really interesting turn for the Red Hawks here uh, as you move forward. Uh, by the way, real quick, want to go back through kind of your history a little bit. You've been a coach for five years here. Red Hawks. Uh, some people may not realize uh, you even played part of the season in the WNBA with the with the LA Sparks. Um, even played some some time overseas. Uh, what was it like to to play a little bit of pro ball, especially after coming out of P, uh, Penn State? Um, it was just an awesome experience. You know, like not many people can literally been around the world and uh, and on <laughs> yes. top of that have done something that they love to do. Um, it was just a great experience. I'm just so grateful for the places that basketball has taken me because without it, who knows? You know, I probably wouldn't, you know, have gone to Slovakia, have gone to Finland. Like, so it's just, it's just been great. I've just been blessed. I've been to Slovakia and, and, and Norway and Finland. I mean, it's just amazing. And then again, we got to play with the Sparks for a short period of time. And this is after right. scoring 1,200 points uh, in, in your career at Penn State, which is in three years, I believe, too. It wasn't even yeah, before. I, yep, it was three years because I um, went, I actually committed to North Carolina as a freshman, and I played uh, for KL my freshman year. So I um, transferred after my freshman year and went to Penn State and played three years. So, yeah, nice. that was in three years. So. Uh, that's pretty <laughs> impressive, to say the least. Uh, and even the fact you got to play under Kate Yao is, uh, is certainly an interesting. Uh, you've got this great little storyline that I was enjoying reading. And, and just great to see. And obviously you're starting to turn these Red Hawks into maybe more and more of a regional power and hopefully a national power, and it's great to see. Uh, looking forward to seeing how you guys do the rest of the way. I know the AMC may not be as challenging, but I'm looking forward to see if you get out of there and make some waves in the NCAA tournament. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with you, uh, tuning in? I mean, I just, I just love the brand of basketball we play. We get up and down the court. We try to score 80 points a game and we get down we play tough tenacious defense up in your face um but we gotta we still at this point in the time in time at a season we still have a long way to wait 
and say that, but we're not playing our best. And I can promise you <laughs> that we're going to be working every single day to get there and get where we need to be because every game we have to be on our toes. I mean, come end of February, it could be over if we're yeah. not playing our best. And we do not want that to happen. We want to play going on into March. So I'm going to be getting my girls ready over the next couple of weeks. So, Co- Coach, I get the sense that it's it's never good enough, which can always be <laughs> a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll Thank look forward you. to catching up with you, you later. Me Absolutely. So Thank you. All right, talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Cam Dissinganer joining I um, the graphic had Kim earlier. I apologize for that. Uh, this is what happens when we're halfway through the show. Sometimes my fingers and 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 head are not communicating together. But again, the team is undefeated in conference play, sixteen and four overall. They got Madai coming up. That'll be a good uh, barometer. Also, Penn State, Barron, Penn State, Altoona, Pitt, Pitt Greensburg, and then D. Off and then watch them. Let's see where they get in the NCAA tournament. Maybe the committee's nice and sends them east. And so we can see some different matchups for them. Um, but you never know. LaRoche Redhawks, a team to watch in the NCAA tournament. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk more Great Lakes basketball. We'll talk to our expert. Lenny Wright will join us. Probably one of two appearances. He'll be back for happy hour, as he was last year. But in the meantime, we'll talk to him coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about and what we can still love about college sports. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. Of us to stop sexual assault. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Um, got a couple things coming up here on the show. Um, talking Great Lakes basketball. Um, we've got uh, Lenny Reichel. The bad. Great Lakes basketball. Um, we've got uh, Lenny Reichel join us shortly with a report. Also, Lori Wynn, the story out of Geneva from the Penn State Athletic Conference, will be joining us uh, here shortly. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet or hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to chat with us, and we hope that you will enjoy it as well. Uh, I think what we're going to do here is take another quick break. What we'll do is we'll actually hear um, from Lori Wynn, head coach at Geneva, on her um, battle with uh, ovarian cancer. She's back with her team it's a wonderful story. So let's take a quick break and then we'll chat with her. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. Uh, we'll be back with more Hoops after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. Our obligation is those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes and to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon, everybody. Hope you uh, are enjoying our work of 12 hours. We're somewhere along the road here, and uh, it is, it's all about pacing ourselves. And we hope you are maybe pacing yourself watching the show live. Or maybe you're even catching some of the podcasts or watching it on demand. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to do so. Of course, it all surrounds our Hoopsville fundraising efforts. We'll keep a track of that throughout the day. But if you want more information, we've been tweeting it out uh, plenty, and we will talk more about that down the road. Don't forget, you can interact with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at D3 Hoopsville. You can also join us in the chat room alongside the YouTube page, though. There's one of me and four of those devices. So bear with me on getting back to you on some of your questions. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We'll throw in some Hoopsville mailbag segment questions throughout the show, especially at the end for our happy hour. You'll understand why it's a happy hour if you're tuning into the last hour of the show. Uh, so there you go. We've got lots to talk about here on the marathon. We cover the con entire country of Division Three basketball as we have less than a month left in the season. Everything from those teams who are playing wonderful to the great stories that are surrounding Division Three inside and out. And one of those may be the one we're talking about. The President's Athletic Conference has decided it's win the battle week, basically. Lots of events going on, all in the, in the uh, spirit of and in the uh, dedication of Lori Wynn, head coach of the Geneva women's basketball team. 
Why? Well, she's got a battle of her own, and she's doing pretty well with it, and they want to make sure she's supported. So we want to learn more about it. So joining us via the City of Salem Skype hotline is a head coach of Geneva, Lori Wynn. And, Coach, first and foremost, we'll explain why you're on, but thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. We should mention that Coach Wynn is uh, battling with ovarian cancer, diagnosed seven months ago. Coach, I love the fact that we get to see you here. <laughs> it's it's actually really fun for me to be back on campus. It's It's been a long time, so it's been great to be around our team and um, our campus community as well. Yeah, this is the first time you've been back on campus since you were diagnosed. Is that correct? Or at least during the basketball season? Uh, it's the first time I've been back since we've been playing games. Uh, October 17th and, and uh, was here for the first two weeks of practice. Um, I, I can't imagine, and we'll talk all about this, you know, what it's like to, to, to battle cancer, certainly known people myself, but not me directly, but to be a coach with a team, especially in college and all of this taking place, it's it's got to be even uh, more of a, of a battle as it were. And But I also know the one thing that happens in all these things, there's a ton of support, and I highly suspect that's been true here. Oh, it's it's really been unbelievable. You know, our our team is um, our team is pretty close, and, and and we're very much like a family. So they've been incredibly supportive. They actually uh, trip down to North Carolina as a team to visit, um, and so that's that's one segment. Our conference coaches have been absolutely amazing mm. um, in the process, and in our our athletic department, our campus community. Um, it's it's really it's actually really pretty humbling. Um, all the support that I've received. Well, it certainly is amazing, but let's back the clock up a little bit. You were diagnosed seven months ago with ovarian cancer. You were telling me before we went on the air how this all started. If you don't mind sharing that with others, it, it's probably very common for those who have who've run into this themselves. Yeah, uh, it was it was June 30th. I actually had had spent a month um, doing and you know our camps. I had, I had gone to Colorado for a week and gone hiking and was getting ready to work a camp with some friends of mine. Um, about five hours from from here, and just felt like I had the flu for a few days, and and thought, well, you know, maybe I should just maybe it's something a little bit more, you know, like a like an appendicitis or something. I should probably just go to just just to be safe, just make mm -hmm. sure it's nothing serious. And um, uh, yeah, they came in, they did you know CT scan and said, no, you don't you don't have an appendicitis or a kidney stone. You you actually have cancer and you have a lot of it, and you need to get to the doctor right away. Um, so it was June 30th, and um, it was really pretty much a bombshell for me. Yeah, I, I can't imagine, A, being diagnosed in an emergency room, for starters. I mean, just that's not what the normal story is. You see your doctor, you're not liking something, they right. start doing tests, you start working through other doctors, eventually someone goes, hey, we should tell you this. To hear it in an emergency room when you're going in to have the flu must have been more than a blind side. It, it was... It was um, surreal almost mm. i think the first thought in my mind was wow is this how other people feel when they hear this news and um you know my my second thought was do you have the right scans yeah right. Are, are you looking at mine is it me talking to uh, me <laughs> so it was it was it was a bomb yeah i can imagine of course it, it sped up from there i know that uh you mentioned going to north carolina you eventually ended up down at duke raleigh hospital in North Carolina, can you give everybody the sense of because that's a big change for anybody in the in the country to move to another part of the country just for cancer treatment? What was the thinking behind that? Uh, the biggest reason is you know my parents are down there and and being single and living alone, you know, I, I, just handling everything 
with sure. with treatments and surgery. I just I couldn't do it. And so um, my parents are, are in their 70s and not really able to travel. And so they kind of said, hey, will you will you come down here? Um, and so it, it just it really just made sense. Um, so I could have some help and support and, and all those kind of things to go down with them. Yeah, certainly. Uh, there's so many di- different dynamics when this gets thrown in. And of course, you have a basketball team. Um, <laughs> at, how long did it, did you wait to tell people that need and and what was the general? I, I can imagine what the general reaction is, but what was it anyway? Yeah, the, you know, the funny thing is I, I kept it really, really super contained um, until we told our team. I think um, you know, my closest friends knew, you know, obviously my assistant knew our, our athletic department, um, our athletic director knew, but I, I kind of kept saying this needs to be quiet until I talk to our team. And so, um, about a week after the diagnosis, we had set up a conference call with, uh, with our players and just said, and I kind of prepped them and said, Hey, I've, I have some health issues I need to talk to you guys about. It'd be really helpful if you had a parent on the conference call with you. Um, cause I thought it, it would be a shock for them and, and it would be helpful to have some, some of their parents around to kind of help them if they needed it. And so, um, as soon as, as soon as we did the conference call, it, you know, it was, it was a hard call to make. Um, they, they didn't have a ton of response because they were really shocked. Um, you know, which, which is normal. I was, I was still in shock at that point, you know, um, and so then kind of at that point, we kind of then kind of made some plans for me to, you know, tell some other people on campus and go from there. Um, I, I honestly, in my heart of hearts, thought I would be back in time for the season. I, and that didn't work out. Um, <laughs> that was probably my my just being naive of the process. Sure. How aggressive was this? Or or maybe because you're thinking you're going to be back for the season and you ended up not making it, was this maybe a little bit more progressed than, than expected? Uh, I I think in, in my mind, I, you know, Hey, yeah, it'll be a little surgery. I'll, you know, you need about six weeks to recover, and I'll be and I'll be okay. Sure. But as as I got down there and they started to do more tests, they they began to realize how aggressive it was. Um, and so, you know, by the time I started chemotherapy, it had already um, metastasized and moved to some other places. Mm. Um, uh, my doctor, after the surgery, I, I said, "How much? How many? You know, how much did you take out?" And and her response has always been, "A lot." Wow. And, and I'm like, well, what's that mean? She just says a lot. <laughs> so, wow. you know, I, I really feel like, um, you know, I really feel like it's it's just God's hand and, and a miracle that they were able to get it all. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really heading in the right direction. Um, I know this one's a sensitive one, but, you know, uh, you always lose hair in this process yeah. of chemotherapy <laughs> and radiation. I've had friends who've had to go through it, who've had lovely, beautiful hair and, and have lost from at least the headshot that we see online of you. Uh, you had probably beautiful, long hair, and, and obviously now you, you don't. Uh, how hard is that to deal with? Um, and, I, and I mean that sincerely because I, I can't imagine what that's like. Um, well, I save a ton on hair care. Yeah, that's true. Less time to shower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think for me, you know, I think I think my just my faith and my my belief in, in God and his plan has has really made the process a little bit easier for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing that prepares you for being in the shower and, and seeing handfuls of hair. That's mm-hmm. that's a hard, a hard thing to see. But, you know, when I got to that point, I, I literally just went downstairs and said, 
just shave it. Ah. Um, I felt like I could be in control of losing it then. Um, you know, I, I am a, a lot of times I just wear a ball cap because I'm a coach and I'm, it's, it's easy <laughs> and, and I'm very comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, you know, when I came back for practice in October, I, I had my hat on the first practice and I was kind of hot and I was like, all right guys, do you care if I take my hat off? And, and the team was like, no, who cares? You know? <laughs> and, and so it's, um, it, it was hard to see it happen, but when it happened, I honest, I didn't have the reaction of, of being really distraught about it. Um, it just, it was just another bump in the road when I, sure. between my fourth round and surgery and my fifth round, it started to grow back. Um, and so after of chemotherapy, it started to fall out again. And at that point I just said, no. Just shave it. It just means I'm one step closer to being to the, being to the end. Sure. Not so. to mention the fact, as you said, save on time in the shower, save on time in the products, and save some yeah. money. Uh, it works out in some ways. Um, you mentioned you wanted to be back with the team uh, before the season. That didn't work out. You mentioned in practices in October. Uh, you're back now. Uh, first time back with the team. Am I correct? Yes. And yep. uh, back for three games before we'll go and we'll talk about the future treatment in a minute. Um, how hard has it been to to monitor the team and, and and coach as it were from hundreds of miles away in North Carolina? Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think you know, obviously with technology, there's, yes. there's so many things you can do. So it's you know, I, I'm able to watch games. You know, I I communicate with our coaching staff. You know, a lot. I'm able to communicate with players a lot. Um, you know, I I miss I miss being them i love i love coaching i love i love teaching um i miss the competition but i think the hardest part is i miss the connection with the players every day um and and that's you just can't replicate that um from a distance um the other things you can you can kind of do but um that's the hardest part is i miss i just miss that connection and in, in the the teachable moments that you get um when you're with them all the time um, the team we should mention is five and fourteen overall, two and f two and ten in conference play. Just lost, unfortunately, to St. Vincent on Saturday, seventy fifty one. We should mention, by the way, this is pre taped ahead of Thursday, so they they have played at Teal on um, Wednesday. We just don't know the result as she and I are talking here. And obviously, you're back for three here, um, but you hope to be back before the end of the season. You have one more round. You were telling me of chemo that you have yes. to take care of. Yep. Next Thursday is uh, is my final round, and then I'm I'm planning on coming back after that. Um, I got to imagine the team probably mobbed you when you first returned. <laughs> um, I I actually kind of snuck in. Oh. Um, and and kind of after I mean they knew I was coming, but sure. um, you know I I kind of once I got in the office and got settled a little bit, I kind of sent out a text to start coming. They could pop in if they wanted, and so that afternoon I had a I pretty steady stream of kids stopping by. So. Um, so it was pretty fun. Um, you, um, will obviously the, the conference is what I was trying to get at is also celebrating your return with the, uh, win the battles events, as we talked about, start back on Saturday with four games. They got, uh, again, two this past Wednesday, they'll have two more this Saturday. Um, and then you'll have, they'll have one more on, on the eighth on Wednesday, the eighth as well to celebrate and, and kind of raise awareness, try and raise some money as well and donations and stuff. What's it like to have? Your coaching brethren, your um, or sisterhood, your your conference, et cetera, rally behind you as well. Um, it's it's pretty humbling. Um, it's it's incredibly encouraging. 
Um, but it's it's pretty humbling for me to, um, you know, that they that they want to support me. They want to support our program, our team, um, and and really raise awareness. Um, you know, we we're part of a great conference, um, and our coaches are all you know fantastic people. And so, um, it's it's a pretty um, it's a pretty amazing experience, but it's also really humbling. Um, one of the games you're home for will be Saturday against Thomas More. Uh, at least you get the home game, but you, we could have maybe scheduled this a little bit better, Coach. Do you really want to take on Thomas More as part of this game set? Um, I, I kind of chuckled to myself actually as I was looking at the calendar, kind of thinking who who would who we would be playing. Um, and and I, you know, St. Vincent is obviously one of the top teams in our conference, as is is Thomas More. And I kind of just shook my head, like, really, those are two of the three. Uh, but the, but kind of the two of the three are at home. Um, yes. and so, you know, even tonight going to Teal is, is only about an hour away. Yeah. Um, and so I'm actually kind of grateful we were home for two of the three. I was going to joke. You thought battling cancer was tough. You've got exactly on Saturday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Obviously, you say that the the conference has been big. You talk about the coaches. What's been the biggest? Uh, I don't know if the word surprise is the right word, but the biggest maybe outpouring or something or or, or conversation or whatever that you've experienced through this so far. The um, biggest surprise or the biggest? You know, I, you probably know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think um, uh, this past Saturday and knowing our conference was doing kind of a conference wise initiative. Um, was was a huge surprise. I think um, I think the other thing is just the amount of people who are praying for me, who are encouraging me, who um, are doing little things. I think um, I think that support has been unbelievable. Um, you know, everybody from you know our obviously our team, but our our campus community, yeah. um, my church community, um, our our conference as a whole. Um, and then, you know, kind of beyond that, it's, it's been, it's been really, again, I use the word humbling just to see, uh, you know, all those things, former players. I mean, I, I was just talking to somebody today, you know, the, the, the huge difference in this battle is, is being able to stay positive and being able to stay, um, focused and hopeful and, and, and a lot of just because of people and their prayers and their encouragement. Um, back to your team again. I mentioned five and fourteen. I, I know any good coach will tell me that that five four five and fourteen doesn't tell the whole story. Um, at the same time, I'm, I'm sure you're proud of them. Uh, how have how have they actually been doing with dealing with all this? And and maybe give us the real story of the behind that five and fourteen. Um, you know they've been doing pretty well. I mean, I don't I don't uh, you know I'm not around them to, to kind of see sure. you know, how they're how they're processing it and those kind of things and. Um, you know, I think I think one of the things is we're pretty young. You know, we lost we lost a really key player last year, and, and we're pretty young. And then you've got, um, you know, you've got a young group trying to figure it out. You've got a young group, um, uh, you know, looking for for roles and and how to impact. I think, you know, I, in some ways they they want it so badly that they don't know how to often kind of do it. Um, you know, you've got. Um, coaching staff you know my assistants are, are fairly young um and they're doing a phenomenal job but you know they're in some ways they're trying to figure it out too because they're in a position uh that they weren't planning on being in um and so they're just trying to figure it out together and so for three games i get to try to figure it out with them um 
Thomas Moore hasn't lost a regular season game since 2012. However, if you want me to call Jeff and make some arrangements, I mean, it'd be a, it'd be a tough order, but maybe we can arrange something here to at least give you one heck of a send off on Saturday. <laughs> you know, they're, they're so talented and they run and he runs such a great, you know, um, you know, I, we kind of joke and call them the Yukon of division three. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I wish you luck. Um, I know you got one more round of chemo and, and do the doctors feel that you'll, I hate using the term cancer free, but do they, do they have a good prognosis for the future after this next round of chemo? Yeah. As, as of right now, um, they won't, they won't use the term can cancer free. They use the term, no evidence of disease. Nice. I um, like that term. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in my brain, I like the cancer free term yeah, better. I'll, I can take, understand I'll that. take the yeah. no evidence term as well. Um, so at this point, that's, that's what they're it looks like um, the last round will be the last round and, and, and I'll be, I'll be cleared, um, you know, for the, for only coming back every four, every four months. Um, so it looks, it looks like at this point, things are, things are looking really good. Coach, if you wanted a sabbatical from the season, I've found other ways to do it. Yeah. I, I mean, you are not right kidding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, well, congratulations. You look great. Thank you. Um, absolutely outstanding that you're back with the team, obviously, and we look forward to seeing you. We should mention you'll be back for the end of the season as well after this last round of chemo, so you're not done um, maybe yelling at these players to get them to do what you want them to do and get the frustrations of the last seven months out of the way. Um, but congratulations uh, on where you are now. We certainly look forward to hearing that there is no evidence of disease. And as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, I, I think, you know, I would think I would just say to anybody who's listening, who's on a, on a similar journey to, um, you know, s stay positive, surround your people, surround yourself with people who are going to, who are going to help you do that, who are going to, you know, pray for you, who are going to encourage you, who are going to, um, you know, do all those things. Well, congratulations. As I said, well said as well. Uh, we wish you luck the rest of this journey for yourself and we will look forward to getting an update from you sometime down the road. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. Lori Wynn joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline again. Back with her team. Uh, again, they played Teal on Wednesday night. We pre-taped that, so we don't know the result. But they'll play against Thomas Moore on Saturday. The team still has a few more games after that. She'll be for that last stretch. Includes two home games, Westminster and, and Waynesburg. We'll see how they finish. But more importantly, we'll see how Coach finishes her battle with ovarian cancer. We look forward to hearing again that there is no evidence. Well, we have plenty more of this marathon ahead, so come back. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA. And thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll be back with more after this. Hey, welcome back to Hoops Hope, everybody. It's getting a little warm in this studio. <laughs> no surprise. Got questions for us? You can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live streaming the uh, broadcast as well. Uh, lots of things to do, lots of ways to handle it. We hope you will enjoy it as much as possible. Um, this marathon is a little bit on the crazy side, but we certainly enjoy doing it. And I hope you will, uh, I hope you're enjoying it as well. We're obviously well into this one. Uh, we got a lot of more to cover, and we hope you'll enjoy it. Coming up, by the way, I should just mention, uh, we'll be uh, going into the NABC with Reggie Minton, the um, um, Deputy Executive Director, and Worcester grad will be joining us. And then we'll talk to uh, Denison's head coach, 
uh, in the NABC Coaches Corner. Then we'll go back out to the Northeast. We still have the Atlantic, Great Lakes, West Region. We'll talk to the Men's Basketball Committee Chair. Even Duncan Robinson, who transferred from Williams to Michigan, will join us on the show. And don't forget, this show ends with a bit of our happy hour where we just have fun talking about Division Three. In the meantime, let's head out to uh, the West Region and go to the MIAC uh, in women's basketball. Gustavus Adolphus and St. Thomas played a very much anticipated game uh, last night. The only two te- the only time these two teams were going to face each other in the MIAC's offset schedule uh, against two teams who are undefeated and two teams who are uh, on top of the conference as a result. And unfortunately, it did not go Gustavus Adolphus's way, but that doesn't mean they're out of it. They're still in second place in this conference, and they're still looking darn good. And agreeing to join us on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem, is Gustavus Adolphus's head coach, Lori Kelly. After a tough loss, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. No, glad to be here. Um, again, tough loss, 75-69. Obviously, you had gone in undefeated at 19-0. and in the quirk that is the Mayak schedule, you were only going to play this game once. This thing got circled a while back by everybody, and I am quite sure you know, that place was uh, an interesting place to be last night at, at your gym. Yeah, it was amazing last night. Um, you know, the result isn't quite the way that we had wanted it to go, but I do think that the atmosphere and it was a playoff uh, caliber game for sure, and. Unfortunately, someone had to walk away with a loss, and it was us. But, I mean, almost 3,000 people were there. We set a record last night. We're on touring break. We're not even actually in classes right now. So it just shows the community and the people that came out for this much-anticipated game. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, the crazier thing is when you don't have classes in session, to get people out there, you know, is, is um, a big deal. Uh, and obviously this is a big game, but I almost wonder, how do you keep the team from, under, you know, from maybe – feeling, oh, my gosh, we lost it, that's it, and understanding it was just one game, you're still in terrific position. You know, I really talked about it really, be, I hope, the beginning. Uh, you know, the way the league is set up, you know, you say quirky, and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not a big advocate for not playing twice, um, and we changed that a few years ago. I would love to go back and see it change somehow and do it a different way because you want to see this type of game uh, more than once. And for us, I think it was our first real test. Uh, to be nationally ranked like St. Thomas is, and they have been in this situation before. And this is new to us. You know, we haven't been nationally ranked. We haven't had this type of success um, for a while. So for us, it really was a measuring stick of where are we at, and we still haven't lost, you know, our eye is still on the prize. You know, we want to contend for the conference championship. We want to um, we want to go to the NCAA tournament. That's the ultimate goal that we have. And I think that the team, we learned a lot. And we were in the game the whole time. You know, it was a one-point game, three minutes to go, and we got shots. And it just, in the end, it didn't. they didn't roll our way. And you look at the stats, and we had 18 more shots. We had more rebounds. We had 21 O-boards. We had more assists. We had more blocks. We had fewer turnovers. Um, we had more steals. Like, all those things went your way. But in, in the end, they just made more shots than we did. And, you know, with that many people in the stands, it was – you just don't get that atmosphere in Division Three very often. I received a, a very nice email from Coach Rusin today just thanking us for that type of environment because both teams really thrived and enjoyed it. And ultimately, those 2,900 people left the gym saying, wow, what great Division Three women's basketball. And if anything, if it helps promote our women's basketball program and our league, then it was a really positive thing for, for many people. Uh, it certainly was, and that's what's great about it. I, I do find it interesting the double round robin. I mean, you have you'd be twenty two of your twenty five games. 
That's I mean, the bad part. Yeah, I mean, you, you you give yourself absolutely no ability to set yourself up for an at-large opportunity. Sure. I mean, that's the hard part. Yeah, that's why we switched it. And yeah. so, you know, and, and so, you know, it's just after 14 years, we all play the same schedule. So, it, it, you know, you can argue both sides of it. It's been a difficult thing. You know, it's been a definitely a heated conversation amongst <laughs> the coaches' roundtables and the athletic directors. And, you know, because you got to get those games and then you got to travel and, uh, you know the men. Unfortunately, you know the men are fortunate on the Mayak side. Yeah. They have one less team, so they get you know twenty of twenty-five. So they still get opportunities to get some you know out of league, uh, at some regional competition that they can kind of set that up. So um, you know it's something we continue to discuss, and you know we knew what this game meant. At the same time, uh, like I said, I hope it's the beginning. I mean, our goal is to ho- probably hopefully see them again in the playoffs. Yeah. And, we're both in the same region. If we both make the NCAA tournament, you'd have to go through each other again to keep moving on. So, I, you know, this is the beginning of it. I know we walked away disappointed, but we definitely believe that we have the ability to win and the strength to do that and, you know, making some changes and hopefully being better the next time out. As I said, the season is not over. Um, not you got a home game against Hamlin coming up. Uh, then mm-hmm. St. Olaf and St. Benedict and St. Catherine on the road. That's that's great. You got all the Saints right there in the in a triple yeah, header road trip. Uh, in the span of a week, you'll play all the Saints, Olaf, Benedict, and Catherine. Then you'll come home and finish it off against Carrollton. Obviously, a lot still to play for. You want to stay in second place in this conference. Um, you're a game up on Bethel right now, and staying in second means at least you can control the tournament until you get to St. Thomas. Um, yeah. And barring an upset, then you're, you know, if, if it's an upset, then you're sitting in perfect position. Um, so how do you, though, keep the team from from jumping off the ledge, as it were, uh, when you've got Hamlin coming up, who's five and 15, St. Olaf coming up at six and 14. The other two, you know, two of the other Saints are 13 and seven. How do you keep them focused and not let uh, the loss affect the rest of the season? Yeah, when we got to sulk about the loss last night, and when we wake up and the sun comes up, it's a new day for us. Yeah. It's all been about Hamlin today and preparing for our next game. Our whole season has been about each possession, each quarter of each game, and that's really where we stay kind of in our bubble. And after you win or lose, we get to enjoy it, and then the next day we look forward. And, and that's really been our philosophy the whole season. Um, we don't want to look too far ahead. Uh, as coaches, you're obviously looking at – people's schedules and kind of seeing uh, again, Bethel, the team one game behind us is another game that we were a single time only this year. We played Bethel at Bethel for the one time we would meet them this year. And we were fortunate to get a really quality road win against them. So it's nice because again, we hold that tie break. So we technically have a two game lead on them with five to go, which puts us in a good situation. Um, But, you know, ultimately we want to be playing our best basketball at the end of the year right now. So, um, our goal is just can we be better in the next two weeks and be playing the very best we can. We have nine practices to go before the conference tournament um, begins. And so we're trying to take advantage of every one of those practices to work on ourselves and be as best prepared, as healthy as we can be going into the MIAC run and trying to do something special that we haven't done in a long time here. Um, you have two or three seniors, I should say, on this team. Two of them are leading the, are, are, are the top three in the, in the team statistically is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, one of them, Mikhail Miller, uh, nearly 18 points a game, 4.2 rebounds. Yep, yeah, she's a junior. Junior, a junior I'm sorry, so, I looked at yeah, the wrong name. Juniors. See, that's we what happens. We have three seniors. Yeah, oh, you've been on the radio for a few hours. Yeah, yeah, my my my, my <laughs> eyes completely failed me there. There she is, listed clearly 
as a junior. Miranda Rice is an underclassman, correct? Uh, yes, yeah, a junior. 17 points a game, 5.6 rebounds. Here's a senior I do know, Hannah Howard. Yeah. <laughs> 9.8 points a game, 5.7 rebounds. So obviously a couple underclassmen in the sense of juniors uh, leading the way, but you've got a couple seniors in Howard and Carpenter who are also in the mix here. This is a nice balanced team and one that obviously can learn a lot from this and come back just as strong next year. Yeah, you know, Hannah's shoes will be hard to fill. She yeah. brings uh, a lot of energy. She's one of those kids that's your workhorse. I mean, she had a double-double last night in St. Thomas. She's that kid that dives on every loose ball. I mean, mm. She does a lot of the intangibles that don't show up in stats. Sure. She's really been the heart and soul. She's our captain. So she's a tough kid to, to, to replace, but we do have the, the core of our team coming back. And the majority of these kids playing this year were freshmen and sophomores last year. And you know, we finished tied for second in the league last year, lost in the semifinals, which was a, a tough loss for us. And, you know, I think that we came back hungry to try to do something different this year with this group. So our goals haven't changed. Um, if anything, we learned a lot about ourselves in the St. Thomas game. You know, Coach Sin had said, you know, it's, she really felt like it was one of the first times they had really been challenged as well. And I think that helps both our teams get better. And ultimately, um, we want the MIAC to be a strong Division three recognized conference. You know, I, I played in the league many years ago, and, you know, it, you'd have three teams, no problem, in the, in the NCAA tournament, sometimes four nationally ranked teams. And, you know, we're working to try to get that our conference back to that kind of caliber. And this, conf- and, and this team, I should say, has come a long way. I mean, you, you've had some above 500 seasons and 21 seasons throughout your history, but we're not that far removed from 15-11 and 11 in 2013, 14-12 and 12 in 2014, 17-9, 20-7. and 7. Now you're sitting at 19-1. and 1. This has been a steady growth to this point. Do you also have a feeling that this is the year then to take advantage of? Oh, I do. I mean, I, I mean, this is my fifth season, so you know, this is the first year I've had, you know, all my kids that you know since I yeah. came to Gustavus. And so, you know, you build your program a kind of about the players that you're looking for, and the and you know around the offense and defensive strategies that you have. And you know, I think we have a great group of girls, young women here, and I think that this year was. It's a, it was a year that we, we have high expectations. We have high yeah. goals. And, you know, I said, I don't want 18 and 0 to be the highlight of our season. And, mm-hmm. you know, I said that before we, we won the 19th game. And I don't, at this game at St. Thomas, I mean, they're a nationally ranked team. They're one of the best in the country. And, and we know from in the bottom of our hearts that we can, we can play well and win. And um, I think we needed that. It, although you didn't win, I think it is a confidence builder for us in just getting experience in front of that type of crowd and, and really understanding the value of every possession in a game, how that truly affects the outcome. And I think that was a great lesson learned, um, you know, looking at film today. Um, obviously, within two possessions says a lot. Um, and, you know, that's where it was, 75-69 at the end, which a lot of people will tell you means you're within one of the of, of the end, to be honest. So, I mean, one possession for the most part, except mm-hmm. for free throws. Obviously, you're trying to get the ball no, back. You know, there's a minute to I me. Mean, there's a minute to go, and we have. I mean, that's the thing. It came down to the wire where we we had opportunities to cut it to one, and uh, you know, we we came down on three empty trips with open looks, and you know, on the defensive end, you know, they get a score, and with a minute to go, it's five points, and you just, you know, they made some plays that they free throws they needed to make, and you know, that's the way the game goes. Again, it goes back to 2,800 people saying, "Wow, what a great." representation of Division yeah. Three women's basketball. And I just am really proud of both teams for doing that. Yeah, 2,800 people. I mean, that's just outstanding. So um, People were calling and asking me if it was going to sell out. They wanted to buy tickets in advance. Wow. Just, you know, I'll be honest. I stood there during the national anthem, kind of looked around. I had a, a tear in my eye thinking, you know, this is pretty incredible for these these women. And, yeah. um, 
you know, it just shows the St. The St. Peter community and the surrounding schools and the youth sports and the Gustavus people that were willing to, you know, we're, like I said, we're on touring break, so our regular students aren't even here. They're off this week from class. So to have the representation we did is, I just, I'm beaming with pride and, and gratitude for those people. You pretty much won the game, won before the game even started, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Coach, thanks so much for coming on. It's great yeah. to talk about uh, the Gusties um, and certainly to see how well uh, your women's program has done this season. Uh, obviously, five more regular season games before conference tournament. There's a lot still to play for. I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you guys in the NCAA tournament as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuning in? No, I, I think this is awesome, though. I thank you for, for promoting Division Three men and women's basketball, and what a great opportunity here. We'll all be listening, and hopefully you'll still have a voice here by 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah, well, we can only hope or maybe maybe hope not. Uh, we'll <laughs> see which. Um, thanks again, Coach. Uh, good luck, and we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Glory Kelly joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline yet again. I mean, 2,800 people at a game in women's basketball in February – is there any other better way to to? There's no better way of just saying that's awesome. That's just awesome. Um, you know, we're used to Hope Calvin bringing out the rivalry and three to five thousand people showing up, but that's Hope Calvin rivalry. There's a different dynamic there. Yes, this is a rivalry in some cases, but it's also just great to see it elsewhere and is outstanding. I'm gonna take another break when we come back. NABC enters the door. We'll talk to the deputy executive director of uh, the NABC, and that is Reggie Minton, followed by the Denison head coach in the NABC Coaches Corner. We'll talk to Denison about their team, but also talk to the coach about his Souls for Souls campaign and why it's so important to him and the area. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. This is the Hoopsville Marathon. We've still got five hours left at least. Buckle up, folks. We're nowhere close to done. Well, we'll be back with more hoops right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. 
I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville, folks, the Marathon Show. Hope you are enjoying this one. It's our fourth annual event. We are crazy enough to do this, but it is a great way to celebrate Division Three basketball, especially as we've entered the final month of the season. I am your host, Dave McHugh, and I hope you uh, have either watched some of this, parts of it, maybe all of it. If you've watched all of it or you're planning to watch all of it, bravo. If you happen to catch any of this on the podcast or on demand, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you have questions for us, you can always email us and be part of the Hoopsville mailbag segment on today's show or a future show. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Of course, we're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can interact with us live on the show on Twitter and a little bit on Facebook. Twitter is at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. Facebook is facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're also live streaming a simulcast of this and every one of our shows this season. And uh, Instagram as well, but that's more of a promotional or when we're traveling, you can follow where we're at. You can do that at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville as well. All that information scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Should point out this Thursday, by the way, don't forget Super Bowl Sunday. We will be on earlier than we normally are. And there's no way we're going to fight the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, we'll be on the air about 1 or 2 o'clock. The time is still to be determined. It's more about trying to figure out when we're going to be able to get guests on. We will know and let you know via our social media channels when that show is on. And, of course, you can always catch us on demand or via the podcast. Uh, this is a pre-taped segment. Some of our guests unable to join us live, and honestly, that's not a bad thing. When I'm on air for 12 hours sitting in the chair, it's not uh, not a bad idea to maybe get up, stretch the legs, uh, use the facilities, get a drink, bite to eat, or something like that. So we welcome a few pre-taped segments throughout the show, and this is going to be one of them. The uh, NABC has been a longtime partner of Hoopsville. They helped build this studio, especially the Division Three coaches involved with the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, helped us throughout the years, at least an eight-year, if not longer, relationship. We have a wonderful relationship with the NABC, which has actually helped us form a relationship with the WBCA as well. To help celebrate that relationship, we felt today was an appropriate time to talk to somebody on the executive staff of the NABC. So joining us on on the Hoopsville Hotline, a man who knows a little bit about small time, uh, small college basketball, Reggie Minton, who is the executive director of uh, executive director of the NABC, he joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Reggie, thanks for joining me on the show here. It's my pleasure. Uh, uh, let me make a quick uh, uh, edit to your introduction. I'm the deputy executive director. I don't want my boss to think I'm trying to take his job. Did okay? I forget the deputy part? I apologize. Um, I, I certainly meant to keep that in. I know it's on the graphics, um, but yes, you are the deputy. We don't want you performing any coup that we don't know about in, in the NABC offices. Um, first and foremost, again, thanks for joining us. Obviously, the NABC is a, is a, is a, a big uh, entity in the world of college basketball. Um, everything from not only be a, a support role for the coaches uh, from Division One to Division Three to the NAIA and et cetera, but also being involved with the evolution of the game. I know that's probably a very generic way of saying it. Is there a better way of, of explaining how the NABC's role? Well, I, I think you've hit it well. I, you know, the NABC was started uh, back in the 20s, and, and uh, the coaches were just trying to figure out a way uh, to get the game strong and, and, and to deal with the difficulties and the different uh, 
things that were going on in the game. Well, we see ourselves as the guardians of the game. That, that's our that's our tag, and and that's what we try to do. Uh, we know that that's a, a wonderful way of looking at it, and I know that's been a, a big part uh, of the NABC's work. Um, and at the Division Three level, we know that the NABC is a strong entity. We see it in Salem at the championship weekend. It's almost a mini convention in some sorts, almost a prep convention for the big convention. How much does the upper levels of the NABC appreciate when the coaches at lower divisions are able to get together like that? Well, I, I think it's a, it's a brotherhood. Uh, in all honesty, when we see one another, we don't look at one another as Division One, Two, II, and Three. We look at one another as coaches, and that's always been the case. Uh, uh, I played at what is now a Division Three. It yep. was small college when I played. Uh, when I got my first head coaching job, I was offered a job at a Division Three and a Division One both within uh, two days of one another. Oh, wow. So I, and that was Williams College up in Mass and, and Dartmouth up in uh, New Hampshire. So uh, I've always, and I think most of us, look at the game as, as a game. And it's not what level you coach at. It's you're coaching student-athletes, and you're trying your very best to teach them uh, the game as best you can. Um, in, yeah, we'll talk about your, your Division III-esque uh, background in, in a moment. Um, I, what I find interesting is I, I got to Atlanta for the Final Four, obviously when the Division Three championship game was held there, and I was blown away uh, at the size of the convention. And I didn't even get to the main part of the convention uh, for the NABC, but it was amazing how many people come together to talk basketball. Not, that's a little cliche-ish. But what is the role of the convention from the NABC's point of view, because obviously you've got your your annual convention coming up um, in uh, late March, early April at the at the Division One Championships again. Uh, what's the role in the grand sense of the of the theme for why that convention is so important? Well, you know, first of all, it gets our coaches together, and uh, we, we have head coaches meetings, we have divisional meetings, uh, so we. We, we have assistant coaches meetings. We have clinics. We, we have a lot going on to try to keep our coaches well-informed as to what's going on in, in the uh, community that they work and live. Uh, so we, we have the president of the NCAA comes in, and he meets with our coaches and answer, answers questions, and we go back and forth there. Um, we have uh, – a lot of clinics that go on, so it's a it's an opportunity to learn from others and, and share the knowledge that you have. Uh, we're, we're smart enough to understand that you don't have to be at the top tier of Division One to be a great coach. There are great coaches up and down uh, our uh, our whole area. Every coaching. Um, what do I want to say? Every every level has great coaches in it, and I've seen it firsthand. I've watched guys, and, and most coaches steal from other coaches. So if a guy goes in and he watches a Division three coach coach and he sees something he likes, trust me, Calipari, Self, any of them will walk out and make some notes about what they saw. So it's a, it's a great time and a great opportunity. And then there's just a fellowship. Of, of being with folks that uh, do the same thing that you do and, and, and understand 
your trials and tribulations. Um, talking with uh, the deputy executive director of the NABC, Reggie Minton, uh, here on Hoopsville Marathon. Appreciate him taking the time here, and he's joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline. Um, it is certainly uh, a, a, a bit of a brothership, as it were, um, to see uh, when you go there. I'm, I'm still blown away just at the hotel of how many coaches are milling about from the high profile to the assistant coaches to, to everybody in between. Um, when you when you look at, at this convention or you look at what the Division three guys do uh, or even at Salem or you see it throughout the year, what's been the maybe the biggest change with with how the the basketball association has has moved in in the last maybe 10 years 20 or its history well and, and that's i think that's a a great question uh first of all you got to look at the overall coaching community you know i think when most of us got into coaching we got in it simply for the love of the game simply for the love of the game because you Trust me, you weren't getting paid enough yeah. for you to say, hey, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so you got in for the love of the game. Now now it's a, it's a bigger business at some levels as far as the salaries. And, and, and so now we have much more turnover in coaches. Uh, you know, I, I coached as an assistant and a head coach at the Air Force Academy for 29 years. Yeah. Uh, Maybe you could still do that at uh, Division Three, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I would say if you're at Division One, that's not going to happen. Sure. I mean, you you're going to have to be uh, you'll be a dinosaur if if that happens. In that sense, the game has changed dramatically. Now, it's it's so much about you know the the bottom line is how much have you won and. Uh, and so there's a lot of pressure on our coaches to do what they do and do it well. But uh, I watch a lot of games. Uh, I'm also the uh, the chair of the uh, selection committee for the NIT. So I, I watch a lot of games trying to evaluate. And I, I tell you what, at every level, coaches are working hard. And, and when they're out there, they're trying to do their best to help their kids win games. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the wins losses mentality may be starting to sneak into the Division Three. You know, usually we talk about um, the experience for the student athlete at the Division Three level, and that wins and losses is not necessarily the biggest deciding factor there. But I, I hate to say it, I, I think we're starting to see decisions being made by ads and presidents where maybe wins and losses is starting to become a bigger factor, and we'll we'll see how that progresses. You've mentioned uh, your small college roots, um, obviously. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. We should point out that you went to Worcester College, though when you played, it wasn't the divisions as of yet. But you have, uh, it seems, an appreciation for the small college um, uh, background. I mean, heck, as you pointed out, you got offered to jobs at Williams and Dartmouth for head coaching opportunities. Those are um, certainly small colleges, even if it's at the Division One level for Dartmouth. Um, how much does Worcester still in your blood? How much is a small college experience still in your blood? Well, first of all, uh, anybody who's ever been around me knows that uh, I, I quickly tell people that I went to Worcester, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm very proud of it, and and uh, I enjoyed my stay there, and I was very, very fortunate to have that opportunity. I, I think small college was great. Uh, you know, uh, the recruiting was a lot different in those days. Sure. I think 
now I think now kids are have a much better understanding of the opportunities that are uh, available for them. In my case, you know, I, I had, and it was a different world in those days. Uh, I wasn't going to be recruited at, at certain schools like in my home state that I could have easily been able to play at, but I wasn't going to be recruited there. And, and Worcester wanted to recruit me. I went out there and I loved it. I, I loved everything about it. And uh, I have no regrets whatsoever. So it's it's in my blood. And, and so when I went to uh, interview for both Dartmouth and Williams, uh, I felt at home at both campuses. And, and I think the administration felt at home with me. So that's why I had an option, you know. Uh, and I think uh, we're all happy when we have options, particularly if they're good options. How much is, is the small college game celebrated by the NABC? There are ways I see where I think it's clearly celebrated, and I think there's other ways where people might say, well, maybe the NABC doesn't appreciate it. And that's not a knock. It just comes from different people's point of view. I can, I can see everybody's point of view on that. But from your vantage point, obviously, as a small college guy and, and one who's on the, on, the, on the staff, how much is the small college game celebrated by this group? Well, I, I think yeah, I, I think we do our best to recognize uh, Division Three and Division Two and NAIA and all yeah. up and down. The, the the problem is if you're an outsider looking in, is that our convention is held at the yeah. Division One Championship. Okay, yeah. so that's that's what's whirling around in in that environment. The the NCA is putting on the championship, or our uh, convention is there with it. So it appears like it's all about Division One. when, in fact, if you come into the convention, you will realize that it's not all about Division One. that the awards that we give out and honor, we honor uh, at the Division One the same things that we honor at Division Two and Three. you know, the, 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 the coaches of the year, the players of the year, the All-American teams, et cetera, the good works teams, they're, they're diverse well relative to the, uh, the different uh, – levels so uh, i i think we and our clinics they're diverse too we've got division three two ones giving clinics so it's it's there uh, and and i would say if we ever feel like that we're falling behind on that and and and, and it comes to my attention we, we will make any corrections necessary to make sure that everybody feels strongly that we are recognizing all levels um, of course, you, you had that D1 experience, as we mentioned. You were a head coach at Dartmouth one year, but and you mentioned your, your time at the Air Force uh, as an assistant coach and head coach. For anybody who's curious, you were an assistant from 69 to 83, uh, and then you were um, head coach at Dartmouth for one season, and then you went back to the Air Force as head coach from 84 to 2000. Um, how, and I should point out, it, you know, in your bio also says a retired military officer. You served in the Air Force for 20 years. What was that experience like to not only be an Air Force officer, but at the same time be so integral in the history of the Air Force basketball program um, that has maybe gone unsung thanks to Army and Navy? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was very fortunate. Uh, when I went into service, I, I went in uh, when I graduated from Worcester because I – I wasn't ready to teach uh, in in high school. I was ready to coach, but I did my student teaching. I was 20 years old, and it was clear to me that I wasn't ready to deal with these kids in the classroom. <laughs> now, I, 
I could deal with them on the basketball court because <laughs> they they were there because they wanted to be there. Sure. Okay, and so I had the ultimate hammer. Uh, in the classroom, we had a lot of kids that were there because of the law. They had to stay in school or their parents or whatever it might be. And so uh, I, I just wasn't ready for it. And I, if I didn't teach, I was going to have to go into service. So I decided my brother was a career Army guy, and, and three guys uh, with me on a Worcester, we all went in the Air Force because they said, reach out to your brother, which I did. And the general consensus on his part was that, uh, you know, the Air Force takes better care of their people, da-da-da-da-da. So we ended up in the Air Force. We didn't know much. And uh, it turned out to be a good move for all of us. Certainly an interesting background, to say the least. Uh, we should point out uh, you are also interim athletic director at Colorado College back in 2000 after you left uh, the Air Force and, and then got very much involved with the NABC from there. Um, Interesting thing that just popped up on your graphic that we've seen already, and, and one I know you're proud of and one I'd love to learn more about, is the Coaches versus Cancer program, the NABC. That has been a, a certainly gained a lot of traction. Uh, I see it more and more in Division Three, whether it's uh, wearing sneakers uh, at games or doing other programs or even basketball tournaments held at almost any point uh, in the season. I know we're in the midst, I believe, if just finished the official week, for coaches versus cancer, tell us a little bit about why that program is so important and how much it's grown. Yeah, you know, first of all, I, I was on the uh, NABC board uh, when Norm Stewart came to us with a proposal of uh, having a a charity of cause, a charity of choice for the NABC. And he was one of ours. He was suffering from cancer, and and we adopted it. Uh, Anyone that's listening to your broadcast, anyone that you can run in has been touched by cancer. Yeah. You know, there, there's just uh, – and, and what do coaches do? Uh, strive to uh, beat challenges, to, to beat the foe, to do whatever they have to do. So when, when we start thinking about cancer, uh, the more we raise the level of awareness, the more we get people fired up about – should do and and how we could do it and and the more money <clears throat> excuse me the more money we raise the better chance that we have to do it and it's at all levels <clears throat> but we started with the three-point shot where people committed x number of you know yeah cents, five cents quarter for every three-pointer your team made and that was like one of the first things what we've done now is we've circled back to that. And one of the things, when I came to work here at the NABC, I couldn't understand why they dropped it. Because it seemed like, to me, that it was painless uh, and, and it was easy and we weren't asking people to make a large commitment of money or time to do it. Well, someone got smart and decided, hey, let's get this thing back out. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, in a short period of time, we've already had 200 schools that have signed up for it. And um, so those those are dollars that are going to go into the pot. Uh, the NABC, uh, in their partnership with the American Cancer S Society, has already raised over $100 million. And, you know, that's not an insignificant amount of money. And, and so... We're hoping we're working on the next hundred million right now, and this is uh, one way to do it. I think our coaches uh, 
can easily buy into it because we've all been touched by it. Um, obviously, the, the program has grown and even splintered off into some other uh, charity events and stuff like that. Um, how much do you guys push it versus how much is it almost grown on its own? Does that make any sense? Sure. I think I think one thing that we try to do is uh, keep the level of awareness up there. We we don't, you know, when once you get into coaching, you never assume. That's one of the things you learn right from the beginning. You don't assume that a kid knows how to block out, that he knows how to set a screen, how to, he knows how to run the break. So in this fight, we don't assume a doggone thing. I send out a letter every year to our coaches at the start of the year telling what our programs are, you know, what, what, what they are. And one of those is coaches versus cancer. And we ask for their involvement, and, and, and we'd like to have them all in. We, we ask them to get involved in their community. We ask them to get involved in, in any national pushes, like uh, the coaches versus cancer and, and the suits and sneakers. We, we ask them to get involved in that. And I, and I would say to a man, we don't get any pushback. You know, people understand the importance of it and the willingness to, you know, to make an appearance or to, to shoot, a, you know, a, a commercial relative to it or just getting on a, a talk show and, and saying things that need to be said about this fight. Um, it's certainly a great um, um program that is i know is integral with the nabc and and I, like i said i keep seeing every year it's spreading somewhere else uh whether because a coach has been affected directly or indirectly as you point out or uh coaches appreciate the effort as well so uh hats off to that program if you don't mind me switching gears a little bit we're at the end of a the two years of the rule cycle as we have grown accustomed and obviously uh, almost two years ago we all got the surprise of what the women decided to do in the game and kind of looked over at the men and said what What's going on? Are we, are you following suit? Or and the men seemed a little bit not surprised. I certainly don't want to say that, but maybe uh, caught off guard with the dramatic changes on the women's side. So I think a lot of people are sitting here, kind of chomping at the bit, going, "Could we possibly see some major changes come men's rules time?" And while I know you're not directly involved, any point of view from the NABC on what we might just see starting ahead next year? Well, well, first of all, let me throw a little personal. Uh, view in sure. and answer your question. Uh, number one, you know, a lot of times we watch TV and we listen to the talking heads uh, <laughs> uh, decide, you know, uh, that maybe our game is not that great. Sure. Okay. And that we need to make some changes. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, and I would suggest uh, uh, right now at, at the Final Four, we'll, we'll have. Uh, 60-some thousand that will be sitting at watching the national championship game. So somebody is finding uh, that our game's pretty good. Now, <laughs> like, like anything else, uh, you, you could tweak things and make everything. Uh, I, I mentioned to you before we came on the air that I, at one time I was the chair of the, uh, the, the rules committee. Yep. And we met in conjunction in the same town, same time when the women's uh, rules committee met. 
But the only time we even went in the same room was when we decided on what we were going to pass as rules so that we would see if there was anything that we could sync up to make it. But I think they operate separately. The games are not the same. They're played on court on a 10-foot basket, but they, they are not exactly the same game. Uh, and so some of the rules that fit for women's basketball may or may not fit for men's and vice versa. So I think it's just a matter of those groups deciding, you know, like the quarters. I, I think if you went out, and I have no idea if they did a survey and, and how many of their coaches were in favor or not in favor, et cetera, et cetera. I would say at this point, you know, with the men's, there, there are some men that think that that would be good, you know, would reset the, you know, the, the fouls and would do a lot of things to speed up the game, et cetera. Uh, I mean, we've talked a lot about speeding up the game. We've talked about just trying to make things smoother. Uh, but, you know, we're watching games now where we're going to check the, the uh, video, and I'm not sure that's uh, speeding up the game. No. Uh, yeah, we want to get it right. I, I was the chair of the rules committee when we first allowed the, the officials to go to the uh, monitor, and that was for a made shot at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Then we expanded it to the half because okay. – we knew that that thing was going to get replayed a times, <laughs> and, and we should have it right. We want to get it right. Sure. Okay. But but it's a game of humans. Uh, you know, the, the players don't all get it right when they're out there playing. The coaches don't get it all right. Then the officials aren't going to get it all right. But I, I think we just need to tweet where we need to tweet. I don't know that the men's game and the women's game has to have the same rules uh, if they decide to do so more power to them, and that's great. But simply because the women go to quarters, I don't think that's enough reason for the men to automatically follow. Interesting point of view. I appreciate that. Uh, one qu other question about the rules that I find interesting. In the women's game, I, I don't want to say the difference between the D1 and the D3 is, is not as big a difference. There's obviously a, a large difference, and we all know that. But the style of the game the, the, and, and the presence of the game and the way it's played are very similar. Between D1 and D3 on the men's side, I think we could all agree are very different. D1 is much more above the rim, much more, um, well, much different due to the size of the players. There's a, a difference. Uh, the D3 men's game is closer related to the D1 women's game in the sense of not being above as much the rim um, and maybe just in the X's and O's. And, and I know I'm, I'm being very generic and being very blanketed with that, but it's the easiest way I can describe it. Does that make the rule changes on the men's side maybe more complicated? Because what might be good for D1 isn't necessarily a smart rule on D3, and can, because they have to encompass um, all three divisions, it makes it more challenging. And you can reverse that. What's good for Division Three may not be very good for Division One at all. I think we have some great coaches. I, I, I honestly, honestly believe that. And I think that they will adjust uh, whatever the rules are, and they will, they will teach accordingly. Uh, when we went to the shot clock, I mean, there were, there were a whole slew of coaches that were unhappy yeah. with that. 
you know, just, you know, it's going to ruin the game. You know, we can't run the four corners anymore. You're not going to allow us the, the ability. I, I don't think that has been the case. Uh, so I, I think we've got very good people with great basketball backgrounds that sit on these rules committee. Then yeah. there's other committee that, that has to approve the rules that the rules committee decides to try to make. So I think there will be a good screening process, a good vetting, before we have any rules that we really need to worry about, you know, being unfair to any aspect. Now, there are times where, like Division Two or Three, when you start talking about equipment, that that we gave the, the Division Two and Three more time to implement it because right. they don't have the same budgets. Okay. Yeah. But if we're just simply talking about the playing rules, I, I, I've got a lot of confidence in our coaches, and, and that they will make they will adapt and they will get their teams ready to play based on whatever the rules may be. If it's no longer closely guarded, or let's say we put the closely guarded back in. Sure. You know, you know then they, they'll, they'll adjust. They'll adjust, and so will the kids. So yeah. will the kids. Uh, you kind of hinted at this, uh, talking about how many people will probably attend the Division One Final Four and, and, and kind of where the rules have gone along the lines. But I'm curious. What what do you see in the future or currently as as the direction of this game is headed? Well, I, I think at least for right now, and I think the future sites are, are going to be in these big stadiums. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot different than when I first started going to Final Fours. I remember the Final Four going to – I called uh, Joe Van Sisson on a Tuesday – of the week of the final four and I was able to get a ticket. And, and <laughs> That's not possible now. <laughs> no. And, and I was an assistant coach, you know, and I was sitting in the lower bowl. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I could see without being concerned about, you know, how bad my seat, my, my, my bad seat in some cases might be a good seat today. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, how do I see it? I, I Right now, I see it as you're going to be in these big arenas. It's going to be a, a spectacle. Uh, you know, it's going to be costly because every place we go, they bid for these things. And, and as soon as they get the Final Four, like the Super Bowl or the World Series or whatever, price, prices get jacked up. Yeah. So, you know, if you're on a fixed income or you're at – you know, you're at a school that doesn't have a huge budget, you know, it becomes more difficult. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I, my thought process is uh, I don't see any dramatic change from the, the, the path that we're on right now relative to how this is going to be played. Uh, I do think that we, we need to be wise and we need to have the NABC be an agent for change when there's change is necessary. Uh, I, I tell our coaches, you know, uh, I rather go in and fight with a committee or, or an individual than have any of our coaches do it, okay? Uh, because we want them to spend their time, their effort and energy coaching their kids and promoting their program, et cetera. And if somebody wants to get mad, let them get mad at myself or Jim Haney for uh, our push on what we think is not good for our game. Certainly makes sense. Uh, great point of view. Uh, I know that the uh, tickets for coaches have certainly changed over the years. 
Uh, I've heard it from several D3 brethren, and you're right. The expenses are always a big topic. But um, last question before I let you go. We obviously had the wonderful experience back in 2013 of D3 getting a chance to play along with Division Two at the D1 site. <clears throat> obviously, um, there was a lot of changes that D3 had to do to accommodate, which also was a strange year in terms of scheduling. Any thoughts from the NABC on whether that's something that may happen again? Well, uh, you know what? We, we have mentioned that to the NCAA, uh, and, and th- that probably is going to be above our pay grade in, <laughs> the, in the sense that I, I think before that will ever happen, I, I think the Division Three uh, board presidents uh, are going to have to send a signal that they would be receptive to even thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Okay? Uh, and if they would... Uh, then uh, we would be more than happy to start the ball rolling. I, I gathered that the same, but it's good to hear that 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 others outside of the, the division maybe feel the same way too. So we'll see what happens um, and down the road. But it was certainly fun in Atlanta, to say the least. Yeah, um, a great experience for those uh, yeah. young. Yeah, yeah, big great. crowd and and a wonderful arena as well. So. Um, uh, Red, and by the way, I think the last time the D1 will be at the Georgia Dome. So, uh, interesting uh, tidbit there. But anyway, Reggie, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Really do. Um, especially the a little bit of extra time to chat here. Um, as always, we actually give our guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, first of all, uh, I thank you for the great work that you do for Division Three as well as all of basketball. Because if you're doing it for Division Three, you're doing it for all of college basketball and all of basketball in particular. So I, I salute you and I thank you for that. And, and I know that uh, uh, my colleagues at Division Three, uh, I'm not sure how often they get a chance to thank you. But uh, trust me, I, you're well thought of and we appreciate what you do. Well, thank you, sir. That means a lot to me. Um, appreciate it, especially coming from, from your level at the NABC. Uh, enjoy the rest of the basketball season. Enjoy the Final Four, and, and hopefully someday you and I can uh, chat face-to-face. I would love to, to love to talk more with you, but uh, we know we got to let you go. Okay, well, thank you, and I appreciate being on. Absolutely. Reggie Minton joining us again from the National Association of Basketball Coaches, executive, a deputy executive director. I'm, I'm almost put him ahead of Jim Haney, which Jim wouldn't appreciate too much. Appreciate him taking the time to join us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. We're going to continue the marathon, and when we come back, we'll continue the NABC theme. We'll head to the NABC Coaches Corner, and we'll talk to Denison's head coach, Bob Gialoni. Obviously, they're having a really good season, but we'll talk to him about his efforts um, off the off the court, as it were, souls for souls. Talk to him about his shoe drive. It's a big deal, and it's a big deal in the NCAC as well. We'll talk to him coming up. You're listening to the Hoopsville Marathon, presented by the by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville Marathon when we return. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. And welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon. Hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you to the NABC and Reggie Minton for joining us. Certainly appreciate his time and his 
um, words, Deputy Executive Director for the NABC. And, of course, earlier we had the WBCA Executive Director, Danielle Donahue, on the show. Wonderful to hear those perspectives, especially from major court coaching um, groups uh, that certainly have uh, a lot of influence in Division One. Nice to hear the comp points of view on the Division Three side of things. Uh, going to keep going with this marathon. Um, if you've got questions for us, you know, the information on the bottom of the screen is how you can get in touch with us. We hope you'll take advantage of it. We still got plenty of show time to go, folks. We are nowhere close to being done, so don't waste your t- don't don't waste the opportunity, as it were. Continuing with the NABC theme, talking um, uh, about the NABC coaches' corner. Uh, got a, a great segment ahead of us here uh, with the number uh, twelve team in the country. Denison's head coach. Uh, Bob Galoni will join us and joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for uh, joining us here uh, on the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. Really, really appreciate being able to do this. Absolutely. Um, we'll talk about the team but, uh, in a bit. Uh, obviously, you probably don't want to. I can understand that. But uh, no. one of the reasons I wanted you on the show was because um, the NABC Coaches Corner gives us an opportunity to talk about to coaches about what they're doing off the basketball court. And in your case, you're very much dedicated with a program called Souls for Souls. Um, and you've gotten the NCAC to kind of come on board with this. Uh, it's a it's a fundraiser. It's a, it's a drive, whatever you want to call it, to help those in need with shoes and clothing. But I'm sure I can't do nearly as good a job as you can describing it. Can, so can you kind of give us an idea of what Souls for Souls is? Well, it's, a, it's an international nonprofit organization that collects shoes and clothing, used shoes and used clothing around the world to help people in poverty. And uh, I haven't been as involved with that organization as much as I'm, I'm a part of an organization called Next Basketball, which is an organization in central Ohio uh, started by a guy named Sean Bailey, who is a Wittenberg grad, I hate saying that, but a good good guy, <laughs> Wittenberg grad, who played there in the 80s, and I actually coached against him when I was an assistant there. So long story short, Sean has started this nonprofit organization, and he's trying to give basketball back to kids, next basketball, and, and, and he does it through clinics and teams, and you know he does these wonderful open gyms in the summers where kids learn to play pickup basketball and does very little coaching. The kids keep score. They call their own fouls. They teach them just to run offense without patterns, and everybody touches the ball. It's a really cool thing. And so this organization is taking off, but part of his organization is, part of his organization is kids do community service. And, for instance, uh, his, his idea is to develop young people for the next phase of their lives through the game of basketball. So, one of his travel teams this winter had to make so many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the homeless before they played, you know, stuff like that. He's just that kind of guy, real energetic. So he got talking to me about souls for souls. And he says, is there any way we can get your team involved? And I said, well, what if I talk to the, we have a conference meeting coming up. What if I talk to our coaches and what we're trying to do is give, get every basketball student athlete in the conference, 10 men's teams, nine women's teams, to donate one pair of used shoes at the end of the season. And, you know, kind of the visual is at the end of your last game, you take off your shoes and you throw them in a bag. And and that bag, Sean and I are going to go pick up and we're going to take to these sites around the Midwest to get them delivered to Souls for Souls. So if we get 15 pair of shoes from, uh, from 19 teams, you know, we're going to be able to donate about 300 pair of shoes. And then 
I got talking to one of my players who's part of our Student Athletic Advisory Council mm-hmm. here at Dennis that does things for student athletes. And I said, Matt, I was telling him about what we're going to do because I barely talked to the team about it, told them, hey, you're going to, and they're all good about it. But uh, uh, anyway, I said, what if we got every athlete at Denison to get involved? He said, I think we can do that. So we're going to see how far we can take this. But, but I talked to Carrie, our conference commissioner. She was very much in favor of it. We've gotten some uh, – Dan Priest at Kenyon has helped me out. He's gotten some publicity out. And we really feel this is something, you know, it's going to take five minutes for each kid to do. And these kids have all got four, five, six, ten pair of shoes in every color, size, style that you can imagine. <laughs> so what the heck? It's not, you know, and we can do a lot of good for people just by connecting in that way. So we're going to try to make this a big deal. Um, Sean's all excited about it. He's already got somebody he knows. He knows everybody, but somebody he knows has got uh, is a, runs a shipping company. So this guy's going to provide the trucks for us to go pick up the shoes and then deliver them to the regional sites. So that's the deal, and, and we're going to be able to do some good. And that's a pretty cool uh, idea, and obviously that's what's great about. Listen, it's not just a Division three thing, but what is great about Division three no. is the ability. Um, to give the student athletes another opportunity outside of the classroom, outside of the court uh, or the gym or whatever to to give back to the communities. Heck, some of the top awards in Division Three are very community based. Um, the Gallardi in football and the, and the Jostens in basketball, to name uh, yeah. two of two of a few. Um, we well, yeah, we require our guys to do different community service. We work with Special Olympics. Right before we took off on our trip to New York City in December, we went and did a two-hour clinic in Columbus and had 75 inner-city kids and took them through some drills and some playing. And it was a really, really good experience. And you know, it's one of those things where your kids may grumble a little bit at first on another couple hours out of our day, and then once they get there, they're they're awesome. They love it. They do a great job. And uh, so. Anyway, it's a good opportunity for them. Yeah, certainly, and 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 it's a it's a novel concept, and obviously there's been a lot of that going on on the Great Lakes. We've had a lot of coaches corner segments with Great Lakes coaches uh, for varying reasons, and it's always nice to see programs give back. I you were were you were involved with Souls for Souls a while back? Where, I, I want to say there was some connection, was there not? No, no. Our oh, okay. School, the school itself has collected before. I gotcha. Say three or four years ago, we had a young man, a football player, who has since ridden his bike across the country wow. for, for some charity. I'm beginning to run out of things this guy's done. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, and, and I think he's heading to med school at some point. <laughs> but anyway, he actually had receptacles set around the school uh, for oh. a year, and we, we collected things. And, and I remember that was in my mind. And when Sean approached me with this idea, I said, heck, yeah, let's go with it. And yeah. We'll get this going. Well, so, yeah, Denison was involved before. Yeah, that's a great idea. And obviously this local uh, community effort, too, uh, is important. And and I, I assume, as maybe I shouldn't, but I still assume that, you know, obviously these community events are important as you as a head coach to instill in your students, um, your athletes, your student athletes, um, that it's important to think more about them, about others than themselves. Well, you know, it's interesting we talk to our guys all the time about being unselfish or even taking another step, being selfless on the court. And for gosh sakes, we need to be doing that in our everyday lives, you know? And, and uh, so we've got a kid, my best, our leading scorer, Jet Spielman has been involved in big brothers, big sisters since mm-hmm. he was a freshman in high school, you know? So we're talking eight years now and he literally every Thursday spends an hour and a half to two hours with his, with his little, you know, um, it's part of what he does. That's that's part of his deal. Um, and and like I said, we work with uh, with the West Looking Warriors, a Special Olympics team, 
and raise, we raise about $4,500 a year for them going out and collecting money as a, as a community service project, and then we practice with them once or twice. But I think what it does, I, it enhances what you do on the court. It helps what you do on the court. It's good team builder. It's something we can do together. And guess what? Playing time isn't involved, and winning and losing isn't involved. You know, so yeah. it's, it's kind of a win-win for everybody, and they enjoy it. So yeah, it, it's an opportunity. And then we encourage them. You know, when they get out of here, it, I had a call from a former player a couple months ago. I said, Coach, you know, I need to get involved in something. Can you give me some phone numbers? So I got him connected with one of the boys' clubs in Columbus, and he was named their volunteer of the month last month. Um, somebody sent me an email on that, so it was pretty cool. Um, we have a guy that misses the alumni game every year because he's coaching uh, kid, little kids in some Y league in Columbus. So it's 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 a pretty cool thing when they keep with it. Um, would the unselfish uh, aspect on the court be the cause for the losses to Wittenberg and Ohio Wesleyan? Were you guys giving back a little bit? No, well, you know <laughs> the cause for that is uh, we were a little too amped up and just kind of. Threw them away. We didn't play terribly, but we didn't play as well as we've been playing. Sure. Um, and give a lot of credit. Those are two very good basketball teams. Oh, absolutely. They made big shots. They made plays. And uh, so, no, you know, it's been a tough week. We've, we've dropped two in a row for the first time this season. But uh, quite honestly, we just uh, got a little out of uh, out of character in terms of the way we run our offense and uh, and things. But, yeah, we're not in bad shape. Our guys are uh, they're pretty resilient, and they're good people, and they're owning it. Um, we're going to get it back on Saturday, so hopefully we'll get a chance to climb back on in the win column. Well, certainly an interesting scenario here. You're now in a three-way tie in what is an absolutely crazy NCAC. Um, Ohio Wesleyan expected to be at top of the conference, uh, kind of trunk into a hole at the beginning of the season. Worcester struggled a little bit. Um, and all of a sudden, you guys emerge from the pack, and look at us. We're gonna we're doing really well. Uh, we'll see you later. And then all of a sudden, you guys have backed up. Those two have reemerged, and behind them, it's been crazy. And you've got Worcester yep. ahead at fourteen and six is their record. You got them ahead on Saturday. Then you got to go on the road against DePaul, and you still got Allegheny, Hiram, and Wabash. Who would love to knock you off? This is going to be an interesting finish to the season. It is, and it's a really good conference. There, there are no easy wins in this conference. Have been, I think, the last maybe four years. Dave, you can check this. We've had three teams in the NCAA tournament, so it's a very competitive conference. It, it's, and, and one of my assistants said the other day, you know, it's tough just to win a game yeah. in this conference. Everybody's good. Everybody's got athletes. Um, you know, so and, and everybody's well coached. And the interesting thing about the conference is too, everybody's got a little different style of play. So you're constantly preparing constantly getting ready for something new which is good though it's fun um it's been good so hopefully we can get back out and um get things going again but uh, it's it's a lot of fun competing in this league sure so. uh you got a bit of a, a senior laden squad uh six seniors uh jet spielman the a senior leading the way in scoring actually you have four seniors leading the way in scoring jet spielman at, at 18.1 points a game uh, bringing in 6.1 rebounds david muir uh 14.9 matthew bauer 7.8 and Brett Woolard, seven point seven. Um, so obviously, this is this is a uh, a, a very senior laden group that's got a lot of experience. But early on, I don't think a lot of people bought into Denison uh, on the season no. and and what you guys were were pulling off. Is this maybe even higher expectations than you guys had, or did we all just screw it up and not not give you guys enough they, credit? You, you all screwed it up. You okay, good. There up. we Honest are. To God, our guys, <laughs> our guys went into the season with the goal of getting back to the NCAA. Yeah. And and we had we knew we had experience back. 
I didn't necessarily think we were going to be 17 and three at this point, but I thought we had a chance to win 14, 15, 16 at this point. I really mm-hmm. did. I really did. And then when the season got going, some things went our way. We won some close ones. We we went at Worcester right away on the road, which yeah. is tough. We went at Wit on the road in overtime, and so we're sitting well. So you know, to be honest, our guys, without being cocky, were very confident going into the season. And the great thing was this: you know, we went we won the conference tournament last year. You know, kind of a dark horse, and got through that. And um, got beat in the first round of the NCAA by Alma. And I remember on the bus home talking to my associate head coach, Chris Sullivan, and saying it's going to be interesting how this spring's going to go. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, are we going to work our butts off and get better, or are we just going to take it easy? He said, why would they take it easy? I said, because human nature is we've accomplished something school's only accomplished three times in the entire history of, of tennis and basketball. We had a good end. It would be easy for some guys to lay back, and we were losing four great senior leaders. And I said, we're just going to have to see what happens. Well, within a couple of weeks, I was here in the weight room. They're, they're really going crazy. They're really working their butts off. And then I stuck my head in open gym one day, and the intensity was just palpable, you know, going at each other. And so I started talking to the kids, and they said, Coach, it's, don't worry. We're, we're getting there. So we had a great spring. They came back in tremendous condition in the fall, worked out with our strength coach, and we, we hit the road, hit the floor going on October 15th. And so – We've practiced well. It was kind of an expectation for us, and but I don't think anybody else saw it. Everybody thought we'd be good, but nobody saw what we're doing. And I think uh, I think that's been part of the deal for us, you know. And it's been it's been good. You said uh, that the team is um, uh, is okay, and that they've recovered from these two losses. Huh. It's not a big deal. You got Worcester ahead, but what's the message to the team in practice and in the maybe the pregames to make sure this doesn't turn into a three game or worse skid and maybe derail what's been a great season? Yeah. Just uh, just remember what God is here. Uh-huh. Um, two weeks ago, we had a team meeting, what God is here. And, 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 boy, the answers, you know, we trust each other. We communicate well. The best answer was I love coming down to the gym every day. We compete every minute, every day. And a couple of other guys just started laughing and shook their heads. They like practicing. So I don't and, – and, and they just said we have fun playing together. And I think the last two games we've concentrated more on winning than we have on the process of playing together and having fun. And as corny as that sounds, that's a huge thing in athletics is let's just focus on the possession and getting the job done rather than on what the score is right now. Sure. You know? And so that's been the message. And I think they're buying it. And, and uh, hey, let's get real. We're a basketball program that in the last few years has gotten better and better, but we were the ones going into somebody's gym and knocking off a good team, yeah. knocking off somebody in front of us. Last uh, last February, winning, beating Wittenberg, Wesleyan, and Worcester in a row to, to win the conference tournament. Now we're the team that everybody's coming in and trying to knock off, and uh, that's a little different position to be in. And I think some guys felt a little bit of pressure. And it's not like we choked because we played okay in those two games. We got beat by one and by six or by five last night. But what we did was was got out of character a little bit, tried to do maybe a little bit too much, tried to make plays that, hey, let the play happen for itself. You know, that's our philosophy, the way we play. So that's been the message. Just get back to Denison basketball. Get back to our character. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, certainly a great season, as you said. Obviously a tough stretch here, but... I mean, you're you're yeah. you're playing some good teams as well. It's not like those teams absolutely. are are slackers oh. in any way, these shape, people, or form. These people are good, believe me. Yeah, believe absolutely. Me. Uh, Coach, appreciate you taking the time to join us in the uh, NABC Coaches Corner. Great to hear about the community efforts uh, that you yourself, others are making 
around the region on your campus, of course, in your conference as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I just appreciate what you do in trying to uh, get some publicity for Division Three basketball. Um, I just feel it's a privilege to be able to coach not just at Denison but in this conference and against the guys I coach against and the kids I coach against. Um, I, I looked at Nate Axelrod before the game last night, Owoo's little point guard who's an All-American. I said, oh, haven't you graduated yet? I'm tired of watching <laughs> you play. And it, it's he's just such a good player and a good kid. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, we don't get the publicity the big-time schools do, but the majority of our guys are graduating. The majority of them are really good citizens, and they're just great competitors. And so, you know, I just think people need to know that. And uh, we played in front of a great crowd last night, a great crowd last Saturday. It'll be a big crowd here this Saturday because more and more people are getting out and they're saying, wow, this is pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah, you need to take advantage of it. Yeah, so that's my message. Take advantage of the good athletes. Well, well said, sir, to say the least. Uh, congratulations on a great season. And we'll look forward to seeing how things go down the road. Take care of yourself. And uh, well, like I said, looking forward to seeing how this NCAC finishes off. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Dave. Absolutely. Take, take care. care. Bob Galoni joining us here on the NABC Coaches Corner and on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Um, we are going to take a break and come back, talk Northeast basketball with Matt Noonan and then Michael Tully from Roger Williams. I want to remind you, we do have the Hoopsville fundraising uh, efforts going on. Uh, we're not going to hit that halfway goal that I'd hoped we'd make um, as we're just kind of clicking around on about 7% of the way to the goal. The, the, we have a month left in this campaign, but we were hoping to make a big splash today. That has not happened. We'll talk more about that as the show goes on. Um, but I hope uh, that you can um, take a look at it and see what you want, uh, if you find it um, uh, important enough to uh, help us stay on the air. What I'm going to do is I'm going to actually send out a special link on our Twitter account in the next five minutes. Um, you can use that to donate to the program at a, at a reduced rate and still get uh, some of the benefits of the higher rate. You'll only find that link today on Twitter, and it's only for 10 people. First 10 people to take advantage of it um, will be able to uh, to get it. Again, it's, it's basically taking, getting the starting lineup $75 perk at a reduced cost. We, we Special one just on that link. We'll send that out. We're going to take a break, as I said. Coming uh, on the other side, Matt Noonan joins us. We'll talk a little bit of Northeast basketball before Michael Tully joins us to talk about Roger Williams. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville Marathon when we come back.